obvious We got a problem here And it's more than just Alvin's dream and Punisher When life begins to suck, who's reporting it? Luckily, you got two friends who you won't forget Coming live, Alvin and friend on survival Laughing non-stop, case drops on a cycle Louder than intrusive thoughts off an iPhone How they make the world seem bright with the lights off? AFs, it might as well stay up Lies being told like that dinosaur BS Magnifying glass to the ground if they don't see us Having the time, roasting your favorite pizza Bougie ain't an option, it's the way Take it to the grave, have moving to the place You already know when they take the case Laugh the pain away, it's affirmative Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the equal opportunity true crime comedy podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait right a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. What up, uh, friend? Hello, sir. How are you doing on this uh, Labor Day weekend extravaganza? Doing great, man. I mean, I ain't got nothing to complain about. Just chilling, hanging out. I got the weekend off, so I'm just, yes. I'm just got my got my my feet kicked up. I'm kind of get back into football a little bit, so I just kept kind of been watching college Playing? football. No, no, hell no. Oh, <laughs> watching football. It's like, what are you doing? You have a midlife midlife crisis? <laughs> watching watching football. So I, I've been doing some, you know, watching some college football all weekend, but. Everything's been well, you good. Know, yo, you know, Deion Sanders is lighting it up. You know, Coach Prime. Yeah, yeah, Coach Prime. Is, yeah. He's, he's must he's must see TV. Yes. Um, before we get into, there's only one thing I really want to talk to you about. It's a documentary. I know we usually used, used to, old back in the day, we used to say that to the end, but this is too much. This is the only thing I want to talk to you about, really, is uh, BS High. We'll get, we'll oh, get there, man. though. Yeah. Before we get to BS High, though, I want to semi start a little bit of podcast war. Uh, and kind of explain there's a podcast coming out in the, next, uh, in the next week or so, maybe this week. I'm not really sure when it's coming out. And they reached out to you for this whole thing. Uh, uh, good friend, friends of ours, uh, the really captain. Reached out, reached out to who? The, to you. So I want to kind of explain what this podcast was, and then I kind of want to challenge them in some kind of – I feel like we need to retaliate – and, okay. and, and and they come on our podcast or we go on their podcast or or neither and we just talk shit subliminally to each other. Anyway, uh, a good friend of ours, the captain from True Crime Garage okay. and good friend of ours, Morgan from Crimepedia and other endeavors as well. Um, oh. They, oh, okay. They, okay, oh, they, okay, I got you. They <laughs> had me on their podcast. They, they wanted, they like... <laughs> they ambushed me to do like a Dawson's Creek trivia episode. That was the whole episode was a Dawson's Creek trivia episode. Okay. I was bombarded. Uh, they dangled $500 in front of my face. They were saying, if you win, we will pay you. If you can beat the captain in a who knows Dawson's Creek more con- competition, trivia, uh, uh, you know, a creek off, mm-hmm. we will give you $500. So, you know, I go in there and they are nailing me questions and this episode, this season. I was just really bombarded and attacked with Dawson's Creek trivia and 90s TV show trivia. Um, but, yeah, they also reached out to you. Yeah. And why don't you explain to that? So this is where uh, potential podcast wars are starting. Yeah. See, I didn't know. I didn't even know you. I didn't know you did the show. I hadn't so, done it yet when you told me this. OK. So I have now done it. OK. <laughs> so and I didn't bring was, it up on the podcast because I didn't want war to break out that they were trying to the dissension. They're trying to bring dissension to our house. Yeah. So what happened was I get a message from Morgan from Crimepedia and he said, hey, you know, Alvin is coming on. First of all. Yeah. Why are you first messaging of, another? First don't, of all. Why are you messaging me about another man? First of all, <laughs> why am I not invited on the show? Number one. That's right. I mean, that's what's number up? one. That's number one. 
The disrespect. Yeah. I don't want to feel it for you, but that's crazy. I said, what? I said, oh, okay. Then he goes, you know, I was supposed to come on to the show. And uh, do you have any, like, you know, secret, you know, hidden type of, you know. Uh, uh, do you have any dirt you want to give dirt, to your friend of dirt. the last 15 you wanna, years? You want to give us that, give that it we freely can, to me? can kind of throw, we can kind of throw it to him to catch him off guard. And I go, <laughs> I saw, I go, that that's funny. You know, that would be a nice, funny joke. But, I, you know, I'm my brother's keeper. I'm not going, I'm not going to throw my man under the bus like yeah, this. Yeah, what type of shit is that? Right? So I'm like. <laughs> I was like, I'll, I'll, th- I'll get back to you. I'll think of something. So I gave him one. But it was just, that wasn't nothing serious. I gave him one. I said, um, I said, call him AJ. Nobody, I said, oh, nobody okay, calls him, yeah, nobody okay. calls him AJ except for his mom and his grandma. Okay. And I was like, if you say that, that would catch him off guard because he would go, why, how would, why are you calling me that? Who told how you this? Did, exactly. <laughs> right? So who, are you, like, who are you speaking to? <laughs> so I go, I was like, that's, I was like, if, if I think anything else other than that, I will. I was like, anything that, He's put out public that we did on the podcast. If not, then I'm not going to tell you what it what it is. Yeah, stranger. That's between us, right? So I'm like, so I was like, I'll get back to you. So I never got back to him with anything else. Yeah, because I was already butthurt because I went, you're not going to have asking this. me now to help now, you produce your show that you don't that you didn't ask me to be on. Yeah, right. So now, where you know I, he's going to be at CrimeCon. Yeah, it's be, it's on site. Oh yeah, for sure. It's beef now. No, nah, I mean no, nah, for sure. We gotta have words, and those words might involve fists as well. You know, because that's just crazy. That you know they're trying to you know uh, uh, you know come come a, uh, in between a, a different type of brotherhood. You know, like yeah, don't yeah. don't don't come and ask my brother for dirt on me. Yeah, man. And 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 and, uh, and then try to use it and and catch me off guard while you're dangling money in my face. <laughs> then so they they probably if I was doing too well they probably would have tried to throw in like, "Oh, I heard that you uh, you know, got caught doing this in the bathroom in middle school." Yeah. You don't need to know those kind of secrets. And Fran <laughs> wouldn't divulge those kind of secrets right. to you. Right. We had a couple of drinks together. We're cool. I you know, I like your shoes or whatever, but you don't get to come and just ask whatever. Yeah. You don't get to just do that and hey, get dirt. You can't do a trivia on like when it's one-sided like. It was like, "Oh, let's do a trivia that I created the questions for." Right, and you and, and and he's and he's he's the captain's friend. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's his man. I wouldn't call. I wouldn't. I wouldn't message him. And be like, hey man, tell me everything that you know about the captain right yeah. now. Yeah, man. I, All I the juiciest dirt. I didn't appreciate on, that. on your friend. I didn't appreciate that. And, and uh, Morgan, captain, it's, you, it's gonna be some words. It's gonna be some words exchange. for sure. Not I don't for know sure. how. I don't know what level it's gonna go to after the words exchange. It could escalate. Well, it, it depends on how. It depends on how they speak. Yeah, I might have an early trip back from CrimeCon. For that, sure, I don't want to. I don't want to get barred or banned from from <laughs> CrimeCon, but it's it might go up in the lobby of the uh the Hyatt Regency or wherever this event is taking place. I don't yeah, know not. where specifically right now, but I also wouldn't say it because they're not paying me. But um, it might. I might have to go down, man. It but might. listen, you can check out the the fun time that we we had on the Captain and Morgan. Whenever it comes out, I had a great time on the podcast, obviously, and Fran. We'll need we'll need to go in there together and tag up on them and really yeah. ask them questions. Is about why did you ask? I, well, I know why they asked me because I watched Dawson's Creek and you watched nothing, yeah. so I, I don't think it really wouldn't have been. You wouldn't have it had was a, a Dawson's Creek theme type show. Is that I don't yeah, kind of pretty much. We we went deep creek. Okay, we went cool. deep creek the whole episode. So if you enjoy Dawson's Creek, please please feel free to go check out Not the Captain interested. in the morning. You wouldn't even have sniffed the five hundred. <laughs> it would have been it would have been sad. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Tom Cruise, You're just throwing out stuff I like the. Know. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> what about question number six? You got nope. me. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? it? The WB. Uh, I don't the know. The frog. I, I, am. Am. <laughs> I didn't watch. Was the frog on in the, the creek? Frog? 
<laughs> but anyway, friend, yeah. So I just wanted to give a little quick plug and, and rib yeah. rib those guys over the good guys over there. Obviously, just just messing around. So check out the Captain and Morgan whenever you get a chance. And me and Fran would love to come on and and, and shoot the ship with those guys anytime. Fran, yeah. B S High, yeah, man. Let the people know what BS High is before we get into it. So BS High was Bishop Sycamore High School was. Now I remember this coming out on you know all the media. Out, I remember the game. I remember the, people being like, "This game is crazy." Well, before the game, it was like there was already rumblings about this school where it's like there's no school, and it's like what the hell is going on. And I remember seeing this. I go, I can't wait till they come out with a story. I knew it was going to. I, was, I didn't know it was going to be this soon. Yeah, but I was like, I can't wait. But do you remember the game? But do you remember like I remember, I remember being on Twitter and, and seeing the highlights and being like. There was dudes like the missing the ball and the punts and stuff. They were like, this this team is getting blown out. Yeah, I remember it, that specifically. I, I remember the where when people would just kept talking about like, who, what is this school? That's all people said. Like, what is where is the school coming from? And it was just like people that nobody knew, no five star recruits. It was just like twenty year old, twenty one year old men. It was like, and I remember like that, like you said, that game and they was getting their ass whipped. I do. It was a nationally that. televised oh, it was game. National <laughs> televised, and it was like ESPN looked stupid as shit. And it was just like, it, oh man, I, it was hilarious, man. It was so yeah. funny. So they they so your your wish was granted. They end up making a movie about Bishop Sycamore High. Couldn't have been the the better like initials for the school yeah. for the documentary, right? Like BS High Bishop Sycamore. It is that's the name of the school, but it is a BS High school. <laughs> exactly. And um the 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 best analogy I saw, and it's what made me watch the documentary, is somebody said it's like the Scott's Tots episode of The Office, mm-hmm. if it was. Not funny and just really sad. Now this ended up being funny for different reasons. I found it hilarious for reasons that it's not supposed to be. But it was really like this guy took a bunch of kids, promised them something, yeah, and and had no intentions of delivering any of those things at all. But was like getting some kind of high off of being in the position that he was. He was a fake it till you make it ass dude for sure. But you can't do that with kids' lives. So this guy makes this school competing with this other school that and 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 also this all speaks to friends. It wasn't even competing. Well, that was his intention. That was, but it also <laughs> speaks to the exploitation of black bodies yes. and the fact that the school that he wanted to compete with was making like $78, $78 million a year for a high school team. These are not professional athletes. They don't have to pay them. So all they have to do is like not, something that you shouldn't really get pat on the bat for. You're, you're, you're providing an experience for kids to play football. Yeah. People are coming to watch. Having good facilities and feeding them. I understand that that's a, a tier type of thing. Like some schools have better equipment than other schools but like providing equipment to kids when you're making 78 million dollars you that shouldn't be like the the trade-off like you but get it, to go to this nice school and obviously the, the you art, get cameras and you the get the scouts of, yeah yeah and you get the scouts and the name but the that's my thing it's this crazy and we talked about coach prime and i think what he is doing is interesting because it's really showing it's like the chicken and egg scenario mm-hmm. florida university wouldn't be Florida University if they weren't getting the, the kids that they were going and the talent that they were getting to go to the schools and win championships. Alabama or whatever, Auburn, these schools. Yeah. But then now these kids and these bodies make the school what it is, and now the school is the school to go to, so you get on TV and get Scott, and get a chance to go to the NFL. But it's like, what's Auburn if none of these kids go to the school? Yeah. But what's the school, what's the kids if they don't go to these schools? You know what I mean? Like it's like, which one is the which one is which? The school is just a school. It's just a name. Yeah, but the payoff is you getting a... Now, I don't agree with this. What I'm saying the payoff is you getting a full scholarship to a college, a big top yes. D1 college. 
and potentially going to the pros. That's eyes the eyes pros. on you every week. Right. Eyes the, on you every week. But going to the NFL is the with the big picture is like yes. if you once you on that track of going to a school like that, IMG, whatever you know, whatever school it is, and yeah. then you get to Alabama, you get to, you know, Florida State, whatever. Yes. You have the the recruits, the they know your name, exactly. your name is known, you you get it on a draft board. I get I get it, right? But what Again, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders is doing is like he's using his name and his accomplishments to take a five-star recruit and get him to go to a historically black college. Something that like nobody was able to do, right? A school that didn't have much of a name. It was a, it was a, you know, it was a school. It was a, it was a popular school, whatever, as far as HBCUs go. But the mm-hmm. football team wasn't getting five-star recruits, wasn't pulling kids from Oregon State. They weren't like stealing. I mean, you know, Deion Sanders has, has created a program where he's able to compete in recruiting with like Nick Saban and these guys. Off of his name. Off his name, So so if you can pull a kid to a school that doesn't have the historical, we have six championships in 10 years and whatever, then it's like, well, then what is that school? Because obviously it's the the talent and the kids that make the school able to win championships. Right. This guy uh, from BS High School, for whatever, I don't think, I don't believe he was associated. His his recruiting strategy was totally different from, obviously from Coach Brown. Well, his strategy was just to like have the school. He was like, "We can get kids from uh, there's kids playing football on the playground down the street. We'll get them, and they'll come." Yeah, here but those are not top recruited kids, though. No, no, no. <laughs> his his his. I think his thought was, "You can just make a team, and the team you can make a good team. You don't need talent. You it's about coaching, and which is also crazy because, man, we it's so much. We haven't yeah, even really yeah, gotten yeah. to the how yeah, the craziness yeah. of the documentary. These kids said he was getting the plays off of Madden. Um, they were eating. Sometimes they didn't eat so, the bologna sandwiches. And then this guy goes into his scams. And like, <laughs> I've never seen somebody so crazy as this guy, the way his eyes lit up when he was talking about, he had no remorse. No, no. And the deeper that the, 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 the first, the documentary was just like, he made a fake school. And then in the beginning, you can believe like, I wanted to give kids a chance. My brother, I, 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 I pumped my brother up. He ended up getting a scholarship to Ohio state. So you're kind of like, okay, this guy's intentions were good. Then you find out he was getting these kids to take out PPP loans yeah. and give the checks right over to him. And then on the documentary, it made me so sad. Like one of the kids, they asked him, did you know that you had a PPP loan taken out of your name? And he goes, no, I, I didn't. I didn't do that. Yeah. So he is ruining these kids credit or has ruined. This already happened. He has ruined these kids credit, convinced them that he could, they couldn't even go to school. Like, so there was a specific example. There was a kid that was the quarterback of the team. Mm-hmm. Despite how terrible the game was that they he, they finagled to get on ESPN and embarrassed, they got blown. It was like, it was sad. Yeah, my boy uh, was my Bomani uh, Bomani Jones. Bomani Jones, love Bomani Jones. Bomani Jones, he said, "Do you know how bad a game has to be for the people that get paid to hype the game up to be on the spot, clearly biased in their in their commentary?" So basically, he was saying, "Listen, <laughs> if a team is being beat by fifteen points in a basketball game." They, it's still the commentator's job to make the game exciting. Yeah. Do you know how bad a game has to be for the 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 announcers to be like well, somebody should somebody should end this? Yeah. This is like these people are clearly not on the same level as this team. I don't know how this happened. For you to be hearing that from commentators means that the game is so bad that it's clear to the naked eye that these are two teams that are not in the same universe. It was so bad that the players had to share helmets. They had no <laughs> medical staff. Like somebody like tore the ACL, they had no. A medical. kid tore their ACL, and an, no another kid's mom was just standing out there. They had no medical staff, and and then the crazy part was like on that game, the game was so bad 
that IMG was the like is the top dog. High school, high yeah. School, right. As far as fo- football programs. Yes. Teams below that, like the two or three, dropped out because it was like, we are not wasting our time <laughs> on playing it. It was it was that bad where it was like we could they could have been like, we're gonna go play them and fuck them up. But it was like we are not no, this is a waste dro- of time. We're going to drop this, this game because we're not wasting our time. We're not serious if we play this game. <laughs> it, it makes us look not serious. I, I got distracted because I started talking about the scam of it all. There was the, the quarterback for the team got an offer to a school. Yeah. He got a scholarship HBCU. to go to a school. Yes, to an HBCU. Yeah. He's super excited. And then they had to revoke the scholarship because it wasn't a real school. No. His high school credits or whatever, it was like we can't transfer you over from that school because it's not a real school. So because your paperwork isn't in order, you 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 can't go here now. Mm-hmm. That kid was talking about killing himself. It ruined them kids. Ruined some of those kids' lives. It was like, I don't even play football. No but way. it wasn't It wasn't just like, it wasn't just that he, because this is, the thing that also made me sad about this is that black kids in the inner city, this is what they're told. They're told it's like three things that you can do. And I hope that, I want to I be a part of the change of this. And I, I see this happening. I, I think that we just need to, show kids in bad situations more jobs. Like, it's either like you either are poor or you make millions of dollars. Yeah. And they tell these kids you can rap, which is a lie. There's no money in rap. It just isn't. So this is, the, we need to update this list. But you can rap, you can play sports, or you can be an entertainer, right? So what you saw in this documentary was a bunch of kids at B- BS High School. What do, we, what do they say? Like, uh... One, what is it for football? Like one percent of the kids that you see playing football go to the NFL. Yeah, it's like, that's like anything, sports or basketball. Anything, like any of it. It's yeah. like five, five it's less like than five percent, something like that. It's social. This is the other ninety-seven percent. These kids are These are eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-old kids. They didn't get scholarships. They weren't good enough, but they dedicated their life and believed that they were good enough to to make their dreams come true. And this is what you see. This is what you see all over Hollywood. A bunch of kids working at Starbucks and whatever. They're 30 years old, 29 years old. Acting's not going to happen, but they moved out there following a dream. And the dream dies, and they haven't realized it yet. And they're yeah. still living in Hollywood and still chasing the dream. And these kids still believe. 19 years old, out of high school. At, Some at, of them been at, out of high school. <laughs> right. Like, they just were Some at were home. Men, yeah. They're grown men, right? And they get this guy who can talk a good shit. He's got a Dragon Ball Z shirt on. This guy's a loser. I mean, but like... As some, but I feel like you have to be well. Obviously, these are kids, so they're naive. But like, right? A school, a coach contacted you through Twitter was like, <laughs> I'd have been like, yeah, I don't know about this. DM yeah, me. This is, what you don't have something with your uh <laughs> your 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 school's logo on it? A, yeah. a mail? You don't have mail? DM me is like an egg as the fucking Abby. It's like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who this is. Absolutely insane. So, but like it that part that that part made me sad because these are clearly kids who. Their dream fell through, right? Like, they didn't get to go to Ohio State or Michigan or whatever. And then they get this call from this guy who's saying, no, 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 I can make your dreams come. Your dream isn't over yet. Yeah, You still have a shot. And they were so excited to play that game. And he really made them believe he was putting them through hell. He was still having them, like, practice. But they were saying the practices weren't very organized. So they were not in any way prepared for this, even though he's telling them, you are prepared. We're making sure you're good enough. We have all the state of the art, whatever. Every, even though everything around them is to the contrary, he convinced them that they were ready for that game. Yeah. So imagine somebody telling you, you're the best boxer in the world. And you go and you prepare and you get your hype up and you're like, yeah, man, I'm going to win the championship. I'm going to get the belt and be the best in the world and make millions of dollars. I'm going to feed my family. These kids really thought like they, they, thought had, a they had a chance. It's like this school that they played. They were like, if we top, win this game. Top of the notch facilities, 
uh, people in those fields or medical fields, teaching, yes. whatever. Are Five star recruit. These are the kids that you're about to see on ESPN and ESPN2 for the next four years. They These are the no kids team. that are going to all the Big Ten schools. They have them on that team. No chance. And he, and, but what's crazy is when, they were, when he's talking, he's like, hey, man, if, if, B, if Bishop Sycamore goes into that game and we win that game, whole different story. Everybody's talking about who's this team, everything changes, whatever. And it's like, that was never no going to happen. No way. It just was, and that's how delusional he is, though. He's like, hey, all it, if it would have gone the other way, I'd be one of the most amazing stories in the country right now. I'd be at a college coaching a team, but it would have never happened. Yeah, but it's like, but the, down, the downfall with some of those kids are that those kids actually thought that they had a chance to be five-star recruits. Yes. Before he recruited, like, they wasn't playing anyway. Yes. And they would go like, no, I'm nice. I should be playing some awareness. And when somebody mm-hmm. hit him up, it was like, no, I should be playing. It's like, but some of these kids, like, some of these kids had to realize, like, you may not, you just, you won't be good enough. It's just, yes. that's just the real but, reality of the world. Like, you may, it's people better than you that you may not be good enough. And that's why I broke my heart is because people deserve to have that realization behind closed doors. You should not have to realize that while your ACL is ripped apart. Yeah. And you're down 65 to 7 or what? I don't even think they scored. Did they score? I don't, I don't even so. know. But they... You shouldn't have dude. to realize, like, oh my god, I'm not good. I this is not this is a I'm a crazy. Yeah, and shout shout out to that dude from uh, what's the what's the what's the show that the basketball show that we watch? The JUCO. What's that? Oh um, um oh shit, I love that. Whatever that oh, show is. Yeah, yeah. Shout yeah. out to the coach. I can't remember his name, but he'll be like the black the black coach. The black guy. He'll be like, yeah. hey man, I'm trying to go. To, he goes, nah, I don't. Nah. Maybe you, maybe Europe. Straight up. Maybe the maybe the Euro League. He's That's not going to sell need. these dreams. Not going to sugarcoat. No, it. nah, man, you're not good. Look there's where a kid you're on the, at. You're not good yeah, enough, there's a, bro. You're in a junior college. <laughs> like, you need to be hoping to get a D2 scholarship, finish school, yeah. and maybe you could get a job being a hard-nosed defender. I like a – but, again, this guy wasn't a coach. No, he, oh, again, no. Bamani Jones made another point where it's like coach is like doctor or, you know, officer. Like, when you're a coach, you're a coach for life. When You know, people still call their coach coach 20 years after they coached them. Yeah. And this guy was not a coach. He was not a leader of men. He was not an inspirational person. He was a con artist who blamed these kids. He had to walk off the set a couple of times, cussing at the cussing about the kids because the, the kid was crying. Oh yeah, he's a kid, a, a hard nosed inner city kid, twenty years old, looked like he could fight, looked like he's seen some shit. Yeah, started sure. crying because his dream again, like that's fucking sad, bro. This guy, this kid realized on national television that his dream was dumb. And he still had to finish the game and then go home and get on Twitter and be like, man, y'all are garbage men getting beat by kids. Kill yourself. He had to live all that. And yeah. in talking about it in this documentary, it got him choked up and he started crying. Yeah. He, re- he destroyed kids' dreams. And he's like, this is bullshit, man. Let me walk off. These kids don't appreciate shit, man. I didn't fucking, all the money I spent, this, that, and the third, I would, he just, he'll, he'll never get it. I think it's, it's, it's different. It's different when <clears throat> I think ruining the kids' dreams. And when they're like, you know, 17, 18. But when you give a kid hope, when they're Again. Really, there's when really there's no hope and you sell them on something where it's like, hey man, you still I'm you twenty one, but I That's you still have a chance. <laughs> and it's like, come on, man. You they go and moving back. They already had let it go. School. They already had let it go a little bit. Yes. You remember I mean, listen, we've been kids, man. I know plenty of kids that we interacted with where it's like they felt like they were good enough to go to college, but they didn't get the scholarships. Yeah. And now, but now 18, 19, 20, you're still playing basketball intensely. Yeah. You're still like training and posting video because the dream is still alive. Yeah. 
even though you don't have tape, you're not in school anymore. It just isn't gonna. E- either you're gonna not get even that. So- it's the age. You're past the age. Of, you're like, past the age <laughs> the to get. Yeah. College is out, so either you're gonna like what a, a scout for the Denver Nuggets is just gonna be riding down this road and see you playing really hard against these other regular people and be yeah. like, you're going straight to the league. Yeah. You're going straight to the pros. No, like you're not following your dream because you're not overseas like Pat Beverly and them grinding for the Croatian national team or whatever. Like yeah. you. If you're here at home still, being the big fish in the small pond, who gives a shit if you're the best dude playing at the elementary school? It's fun for us. Like, I'm you know, playing with Duncan and shit. You yourself, friend, super good, right? But you were a dude who was, you, you, you were not chasing a dream. No. You, you, you were good at basketball. Well, it was like, I'm 5'8", five, I'm five and I weigh 130 pounds. Like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> That's not realistic. I'm not going to hit a not- growth spurt at, at 21. I'm, it's not going to happen. It's, it's like, just the NBA is just yeah, not in your future. You know not, what I'm saying? Bro. So I like, didn't hit the genetic lottery, bro. That's not going to happen. <laughs> but there are dudes who were like, I'm good enough. And so that 17, 18, 19, 20 window is still, the dream is still a lot. And that's where he comes and get them. Yeah. Their dream was, their dream wasn't fully shattered, but you start to go, I mean, something amazing would have to happen for me to, for me to, my dream to come true. So maybe I should just, maybe basketball, football, just a hobby. Maybe I could be a coach. Yeah. These are, this is the things these kids are starting to think. Yes. And then this guy comes along and is like, no, no, no. It's not over. I'm going to get you on national television and you're going to go to the NFL or to a college. And he hyped them up and made them believe that. It really is like really one of the most evil things I've ever seen. And the way he's laughing through the whole documentary, he is truly one of the most psychotic people I've ever seen in anything. It was a dude at the beginning that was like his partner at first and he was like, he was was essentially out of the documentary at like five minutes. He was like, yeah, because oh, like, he had two schools. He's he like, like I was out. out on the first school. I'm out. He said, I realized real quick, like, to build this whole empire. Like, I'm out. I'm not. No, I'm good. So once I realized he didn't have any money, <laughs> I was like, you, what? Is, what do you think? Where do you think the money comes from to build a school? I'm out. <laughs> he said something like, when I saw the game, I said, hey man, that crazy motherfucker's on TV. <laughs> Imagine being the guy that didn't fall for the scam. Yeah. And then you're sitting at home, laid up, chilling, and you see the scammer on TV. Yeah. You know, he fucking did it. Fucking did it. This guy got on national television with a fucking uh, playing against a basically NFL team. <laughs> Compared to them, yeah. Compared to them, this is an NFL team. I mean, nice crisp jerseys, oh, state of the art equipment, trainers, and medical staff for when you get hurt. You know, you never think about that. But when they put it on, when they when they put it in the perspective in the documentary, you go, you know, a kid, somebody gets hurt in a game and they lay in, they're laying there and people just come out. Yeah. You're like, those are medically trained doctors. I don't think that. I'm just like, I don't know who's at the coach. People checking on them, patting on their stomach and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. And they didn't have any of that. Like, they did. Um, a kid's mom came out and just kind of stood there like, you okay? Yeah. Like, they don't know what to do. That's crazy. Set your, they don't know to set your knee or put it up, elevate it. Like, there's a kid is on the field with a torn ACL, and you're supposed to have your own person. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was absolutely bananas. BS High is on HBO Max. Check it out. Highly man. recommend. Yeah. It is a wild ride, man. This guy really made a whole fake school. Yeah. But Bonnie Jones said, he was like, you can't tell 19, whatever, 18-year-old kids was like, if you tell them that they don't need to do work, it's not, they're not going to go, where, hey, where's school? Well, why? Where's yeah. the books? They don't give a shit. They want to play football and that's it. That's it. Them kids was not giving a shit about school, books. They was like, nah, I want to play football and that was it. Yeah. There wasn't no school. 
And, you know, I hate to, I hate to like agree with the dude because he was such a psychopath and everything that he was saying was purely excuses. He's like, where does it say you have to, there's an age limit on football. And then they put a, like a little Chiron on yeah, the screen saying yeah, yeah. there, there's an age limit. The school yes. says that. Well, who's the Ohio board of, of football? And they're like the board that dictates all the rules for sports in Ohio. And, but one you thing he said, I those type of people. No, because he's crazy. <laughs> he's a crazy person. He's like, oh shit. So I guess you got to, there's an age. You got to have a, you got to stop playing football at a certain age. Yes. <laughs> you know people that say shit like that like it's not true like oh so i guess you know when the sun goes down it's nighttime you're like uh that's yeah, how it man. works <laughs> for centuries what are you talking yeah. about here oh so if i touch fire i get burned <laughs> uh yeah man what the <laughs> absolutely insane but no but but the fact of the matter is at the collegiate level and at the high school level a lot of people don't talk about this who knows how much money that school lebron james went to these these kids are getting nationally televised uh, camera time, sponsorships. Money is being poured into these kids that they're not seeing. None. They're being exploited, and the question is: is it is the trade off? Is it a fair trade off? And I'm asking you. That's not a rhetorical question. Oh, I'm asking you. Like, I, if you go to a popular school that's going to be on TV and get camera time, and you get a chance to get a scholarship and get tape to send to schools and overseas teams if you want to play overseas or go to the NBA or go to the NFL is it worth this school making a hundred million dollars a year off of the backs of kids if some of the kids get to make millions of dollars I think no off of the backs of, backs of ki young kids no but I think high school is different only because the college level you know it's always I mean I'm billions right college is, is truly exploiting people right but they're in college, but high school's creeping up. College, they're seeing some of that money now. Yeah. You have your, what is it, name, image, and light, whatever that is. Uh, now. now. But now. 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 But I think football, specifically football. I'm talking we, football. I'm not, I don't think that's fair. Because football is such a brutal sport. You could be high done. School, you can be done in a step of a thing. You get hit in your knees. That's, that's, that's it. And they'll bring another black and kid with dreads, and or you're out, and you uh, lose yeah. whatever whatever they use in high school scholarship. I don't know what what the term they use to get into those mm -hmm. schools. Yeah, you're done. Like you're, there's yep. no you can study here, and then we're that's, no no. This is a football school, and that's really all we care about. So I if think you that, can't provide your service, then you're out of here. Exactly. So I think on the backs of high school kids, no, I would never put my son. My son wouldn't play football anyway, but I would Not never send my son to a school like that because I think that the training is probably super tough. Yeah, especially them being a football school. They're trying to get everything. They want to win a championship. Yes, they're not worried about your future or what. They'll they're, help yeah. you, but after you leave, after you walk out of these doors, that's pretty much it. We ha we've got yes. you. We did our job to help you get where you need to be, and that's pretty much it. But I think that them high schools are making way too much money because all that money is going to the facilities, is going to the yep. the principal of the school, whatever director mm -hmm. of sports, whatever it is. They're yep. seeing all it's going that money. in a lot of pockets. It's going in a lot of pockets. They, they're getting the best high school coach they can possibly get. That's getting. A, a million, two million dollar contract to coach these kids. No, mm -hmm. I'm not. No, it's not right. Yeah, I think that I, I, I think that it's wrong. I think that I understand what it leads to potentially for one percent of the kids. Yeah. But I it think also that depends, it, though. What, it, what's the big picture, though? Like, come some kids can go. I'm not worried about the money, right? I'm in high school. Kid, what is the big picture? Especially if you coming from a low income city, family, yeah. whatever. It's like if I have a chance to get to the. This is the. Blueprint of getting to the NFL. Then that's what, that, yes, that's what I mean. That's and that's basically what it is. I'll make. That's what I mean. Like yeah. a kid, a, a kid, like a kid from the BS High documentary that went to that school can't get into the ING school. 
I like what you said about the show on Netflix, but I can't remember the name right now. But that they need more people like that. I hope these kids, I hope they're seeing these, somebody to go, hey, man, listen, you need to just finish school. Yeah. Get the degree. And if you can, you're not good. Somebody needs to be able to go like, you're not good enough to be a starting whatever in the NFL or the NBA. You might have a chance to be a role player. But if that's the road that you're on, you need to get your degree. Yeah. Because if all else fails, you can go get you a job. Yeah. And make seventy to one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year and live a nice life. A lot of these kids end up at these junior colleges because they came from a high school where they averaged thirty five points a game, yeah. got a scholarship to a D one D two school, weren't good enough at college level, and then also because they were so good at high school level, yeah. they think they're the best. Yeah. So why do I need to go to school? I'm a star. Yeah, like, and then you and then you lose your scholarship and you end up at a junior college. Yeah, like you said, I think that 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 list of jobs for kids need to be updated. Also, another one need to be, if you get a, if you get a, a a free scholarship, you need to take full. It's not just they get a scholarship, but it's like I think a lot of kids look at scholarships where it's just like I gotta pass this pass this. to get into a D one school to place. Yes, like yeah, but it's like you also if that don't work out, you need to study. Yes. Also, you need to be picking your school. Yeah. With you go, what what are you what are you gonna study? Yeah, by year one. I know it's hard. I know it's hard to be a student yeah. athlete, but like <laughs> if you're not if you're not a top if you're not a top ten prospect, you shouldn't be looking at college like let me I'm just go do one year and then go to the you you would know year one that if you're good enough people would, you would know you would be all over the meet people you would people would you know. would know you you're would, him you would know you would know but that's the thing I think sometimes people think they're him and there's no evidence of it. No. But you get that scholarship, take advantage of it. You you good for the whole four year? You good. Sometimes that's the payoff. Like you got the scholarship. Sports is paying you. Yeah. Now you can go go to school. You get connected to a network of people with in positions. You play for a team, and you're a good kid. You're a good kid. Good student. Show up every day to practice. Work hard. And now you got a a a, a degree in communications. You could be working at ESPN, writing or something. Like you can you can get a job and live a good life. But it's like either I got thirty million or I got it's nothing. It's the lifestyle, bro. Ain't nobody gonna bring that up. But it's only a. It's like, do you want to drive like a? 10 people. You want to drive a Kia yeah. Sorento, like, and, and your bills are paid every month. They're like, nah, man, I want a nah, gold chain. Nah. Just, it's nah, like ten players. It's like ten players was like they're gonna make a ton of money, but it's like the other ones before that. It's like, bro, it's the lifestyle. You get there and it's like, shit, I'm I ain't got my contract. I'm just chilling. It's like a yeah. lot. Of, they won't. A lot of people won't admit that. It's like it's the lifestyle that those sports bring, other than me wanting to play fucking right. sport. Yeah, like, fuck that. You can go like wanna, you said. You I, get yeah. it. Get a degree, whatever business management, whatever. Meet all type of networking, and then you can fucking drive a nice little Mercedes. You don't gotta be nothing crazy, yeah. man. Drive a nice Benz, get you a three bed, two and a half bathroom, and a nice neighborhood, and just chilling out. Like, nah, man, I need a gated. I need a mil. I need millions of dollars. <laughs> oh, man. Like that's and that's and I just want kids to get out of that mentality, yeah, man. Sure. I, I, and we need to help, and we need to show them, like, hey, man, how about you go get you a skill, you know? And, uh, play, and play basketball. Because I think sports builds discipline. I, sport, I love sports. Yeah. I think sports are great. But, like, telling a kid that the only way for you to make a life for yourself and for your family is if you're making millions of dollars, it's putting a lot of pressure on a kid for one. Yes. And, two, it's, a, it's, it's, un, it's, it's not unattainable, but it's really hard to attain. Yeah. And even if you're super good, you still might not make the league. Yeah. Also, even if you're super good, you still might not make it. Yeah. I want my son, I want Max to Sophie to go in professional sports. But it's like, if they don't, that's fine. Cause I'm not waking up at six in the morning to take him outside to do 
uh, workouts. Yeah. It's not happening. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not Richard. I'm not Richard Williams. <laughs> I'm not doing that. You see that movie, King Richard? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. I'm not you know talking about that. Kids? We're not. No, it's not happening, bro. I want my kids to love me. <laughs> like I tell you what, no matter what, behind every superstar athlete is a a a, a lot of resentment. Yeah. Yep. You know. I saw a video of Dwight Howard, not a nasty video because Dwight Howard's out here moving like a freak boy, but um, it was a video of him training his son in the gym, and his son was on like an elliptical machine, and the kid was crying, and he's smacking him on his chest like, no, nah, man, keep going. Give me five more minutes, no. but like, that's what he knows. Dwight Howard knows. Yes. Yeah. He knows what it takes to, and a lot of people were giving him backlash like he was being, I was like, listen. I'm not going to tell somebody who's in the NBA what it takes to make somebody an NBA yes. player. A, a top player at one point, too. You just can't. You just, uh, you just can't. But that is what it takes. Yeah. You need to, sometimes you got to train until you throw up. Sometimes you don't want to be out there and you're out there. And I don't want to do that to my kid. No. I want them to enjoy playing sports. I want them to have fun doing what they're doing. I don't, I don't want to be like, oh, you're going to shoot that game. That's not, you're never going to get to the league playing like that. They lose a game, you come down on them. You know, because you have to build that mentality of like you know, you got to make a kid a dog. Yeah. You know, you got to make him a warrior. You got to make him tough and you know, alpha to be. You know, athletes, sports full of people that are like I'm the best in the room. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of good things about sports, but to be the best at a sport, I think you got to really corrupt kids. I think you got to really make them awful people in some ways. Obviously, there's athletes who are just good people and stuff, but you got to even the ones there's athletes that'll smile at you. But when it's between those lines and it's game time, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Naomi Osaka seems like a really nice person. Yeah. You think she likes losing at tennis? You think she just happens to be good at tennis? The the pathway for Naomi Osaka to get to where she got to, Coco Jones, was, was Coco Goff. Yeah. That's her, right? Who are you talking the girl, about? The, tennis, the girl that plays tennis. The one the, I just, the, the, I know you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, The yeah, young Coco black girl that plays yeah, tennis, yeah, yeah. Coco Goff. Yeah, yeah. Coco Goff is, seems like a super nice girl. Yeah. You know, she she stands up for herself. She seems like she came she comes from a good family. She's a dog. Yep. You know, when she was out there and that lady was trying to play her, she's like, "Oh, you're not allowed to sit down." Oh, she knows the rules. Like, what is this? She's like, she's like, "I don't care what that's the rules. You're not allowed to sit down." <laughs> I'll be petty. I don't care. It's the rules. You're, you're not getting advantage over me. She hits the ball, knocks her out, screams. You know, fist. These are nice kids. These are nice girls. Dogs. You're not, you're not playing on national television just like, I don't know, if you win, you win. If you lose, I just, you know, it's just all about. That's not, people like that don't go pro. No. Unless you're like, God was like here. LeBron James. I don't think, I don't think his LeBron. mom was, I don't know. But there's <laughs> there's take where he was just like, he did AAU tournaments and he fucking ate yeah. bananas and fruits and shit like that. <laughs> and it's like, he just was like, it, I don't think his mom was putting him through and his mom was like struggling, so I don't think she was yeah, like. Yeah, I don't think she had time to be like, man. we're out in the, on the court at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Like, he just God said, "Hey, LeBron, yeah, man. here." Yeah. So when he goes out, just like, oh, <laughs> flies in the sky, dunks. He's sixteen you years old, ta- and you work hard. That's uh, yeah. That's it. Oh no, let me let me make sure. Sometimes you're just so good that as long as you don't disrespect the craft, yes, you're, you're, it'll take care yep. of you. But some people. Aren't. Yeah. Fran, if you would have made it to the NBA, and then we can wrap on this. Yeah. If you would have made it to the NBA, you would we wouldn't be friends. You would be the most like, oh, I'm I'm always at the gym. Like you're a five eight <laughs> slender man. <laughs> if you made it, you would be like a, a, a three point specialist yeah. or in yeah. a lockup defender. The the way you would be like a crazy the game like, would have corrupted your brain. Yeah, oh, yeah you, you would have no, been like, oh, been, you'd have been a monitor, for sure. 
Yeah, you're like, I see something in him. He could carry the bags. You know what I'm saying? No, as long as you my yes man. Oh, no, you got to put some. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, you'd be like a nut, like a psychopathic dog because you weren't given the gifts. I'm glad my dad wasn't that. Now, I do talk to him and be like, hey, man, I wish you to push me in something. Yeah. I wasn't talking about sports, but like, push me in But just in something. My mom was the same way. I'd be like, I want to play drums. I'm like, drums are hard. She's like, don't go. Don't go. Don't go. <laughs> I'm gonna practice today. Well, don't, I don't give a shit. Don't. Right. That's what I mean. I love soccer. You know something? I don't like soccer anymore. All right. You want to call the coach and tell him you don't want to go to the game? Can you do it? I mean, I guess so. All right, cool. Do do do. Go eat Rice Krispie treats and chill out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, we gotta find the, the the message of all this of BSI yeah. and everything is you gotta find a balance. Yes. Yes. Life's about balance. Push your kids to be great, but don't push them until you break them. Because imagine if your dad did do that to you and you don't make the pros, you'd be walking around angry. Yeah. If you feel like you missed out on stuff and you like spent all your time playing in tournaments and, and all this shit. And you good don't... Oh, yeah. Yeah. People need to look up. People look up a, a kid named Julian Newman. Yeah. I would be at all L.A. Fitness fucking mad. Those people, I just, we don't, we don't like, I don't like to be around because like, bro, we didn't make it, bro. We out here. Bro. Yeah, man. Just relax. I'm just trying to get a sweater <laughs> in. I just got off work. Be like, man, it's... <laughs> Arguing about the score. I dogged you. I'm the best. You're like, we're at a, this is a Merritt Athletic Club. Why are you screaming? Don't you have work in the morning? We all got work in the morning. None of it, and none of it involves basketball. <laughs> this is a, this is a hobby. But anyway, uh, before we take a quick break, uh, I got a couple of quick shout outs to Ooh. the people, uh, you know, shout out to uh, some amazing people who joined our Patreon. Real quick, we got a, a big shout out to uh, Wendy S.I., another shout out to Erica, and we got another shout out to Zachary L. Shout out to Zachary L. Uh, people, October is coming up. It's right around the corner. That is when I get into my Cultober bag. Um, uh, each week in the month of October, I will be going into a little dive into a cult that is, interests me. If, you know, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I'm fascinated with cults. And Cultober is when I put out a little, you know, expose or a deep dive into a cult that I'm finding out about. I do some research about. I put some, you know, some suspenseful music. It's when I get into my bag. It's when I get into my Keith Morrison bag, you know. So um, if you haven't joined the Patreon, feel free to join over there uh, in the meantime between now and next months if you want to get some of that cultober action um uh but thank you guys for supporting our patreon and fran is working on some stuff in the in the, in the background too yeah, man. we'll get that out to you guys we're soon gonna record some um, while we at, while we at uh while we're at crime con also crime also crime con is this month i didn't even thank you fran great segue crime con is this month if you will be joining us in orlando please feel free to hit up our booth and say what's up and um chat it up with us we'd love to see you guys talk to you guys maybe uh get some drinks in the lobby or whatever it was super fun last year was super fun it was cool to like we met people and interacted in the lobby and just getting drinks and shooting the shit and everybody was super cool and everything like that so i'm, I'm looking forward to that energy again uh, it's a great opportunity to meet and put faces to names that you see like commenting on things and you know uh sharing episode information just like meeting the people that support you so i think that's a really fun thing looking forward to that um but what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna get into some fucked up shit so stick around all right and we are back friend this episode has been weeks in the making we have not uh <laughs> yeah we, we have not been able to uh get uh time to do this one and we finally have gotten time to sit down get our research done and properly and everything like that and we are now ready to deliver yeah. 
Uh, Dudes, you have a story. Before we get into it, you know, what were your thoughts uh, in the process of doing the research for this one? I, I, for some reason, I thought we did this before. I don't know. I, when I, I, I think I found this on TikTok, right? Is that how we, is that send this one to you? Or? Yeah, I think you sent me, I think, yeah. Something like that. One of the, yeah. one of us did And I that. said, um, I feel like I know, I've seen the lady in the, the story. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, I remember her face from somewhere, but I just couldn't, I'm like, I know, I, I've seen the story before, but we never did a deep dive into it. So when I finally yeah. got a chance to, which is the funnest part when you get to deep dive and watch videos and shit, just trying to put put everything together. Yeah. I went, it was one of those, I'm sure we'll get into it, but it was one of those things where conversations that we'll have where it's like, who's in the right, who's in the wrong type of yes, type of conversation where it's just like, you know, would you, do you agree with what they did or don't? I'm, inter- yeah, I'm, in- I'm interested, once we lay everything out and the end, I'm interested. I think we should probably, I would like to try to save any opinions okay. to the end. All right. Just so we can lay it out, I don't, I don't want to sway anybody that's listening. I want to, I want to lay it out, and then I want to hear your thoughts, and I'll give my thoughts like at the end once everything's fully laid out. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the, uh, our affirmative murder this week is the story of Catherine and Curtis Jones. At the time of uh, this story, they were the youngest people to be convicted of first degree murder ever in the country. Um, I'm sure that's changed since then, but at the time of this of this uh, story, they were the the youngest. Um, so here we go. Let's get into it. Catherine and Curtis Jones were a pair of Dutch twins. I looked this up, friend, because I don't know if people find Irish twins to be offensive, and I didn't want to be offensive. I don't know if this is offensive to the Dutch, but I just never heard it before. I think Irish twins, there's some connotation to like Irish people being drunk, and that's why. But anyway, a Dutch twin or an Irish twin is uh, kids that are born like a, a year, within a year of each other. That's the term is that is used? That's the term. Irish twins, Dutch twins. What is the it's other like, term? Where's like I don't know where's like term. um fraternal twins? Fraternal. Are, okay, that's the that's the they, they are born they're literally twins. They just don't, they don't look, look alike. alike. Right. Okay, it's two it. separate eggs. Okay. So so identical twins, one egg split. Right. Fraternal twins, two eggs drop down in that thing, and now you got two babies yeah. that are just different babies. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. The, the, the human body is crazy. crazy. Women's body also, specifically. When I see videos of like they have like identical twins festivals, I go, that's creepy as shit. Oh, that's shit. creepy. I would never go to that. <laughs> they're I like they're like eighty, and they all me. like they still dress the same. <laughs> dress the no, same. no, no, no. If you are over the age of five <laughs> years old and y'all are dressing up every day, putting the same clothes on, you guys are something's wrong with you guys. Oh, you can't say that, man. You can't. They always say we have telepathy, or we always finish each other's sentences. <laughs> like they always are doing. They're always playing games with people. Yeah. Twin twins are they? Have, they're obnoxious. Okay, twins are obnoxious. Their whole personality is twins. But they don't have to do that. though. It's like pickle girls. Like, you know, girls are like, I eat pickles. I'm so crazy. Like, everything about me, I wear pickle shirts. Like, I'm, a, I'm crazy. I'm like a, such a pickle girl. No, you just eat pickles. Y'all just were born on the same day, and y'all are the same person. Like, let it go. Oh, man, stop. You're, tw- you're 29. Oh, you she had a twin? No, no? not at all. Okay. I like being one-on-one. I get that. I don't want some other person that's next to me is like, no, nah, I think that too. He's like Alvin uh, Williams. The It's Alvin and Smalvin <laughs> or Alvin and Calvin or whatever. The- <laughs> Alvin, Alvin and Malvin. Alvin and Malvin. Look, I don't want that shit. <laughs> Get out of here. I'm always arguing about somebody about who's older. Like, I was born at 105. You were born at 107. I'm the big brother. No, man, that seems insufferable. I don't want I'm a, I am, I have, my my father was out there doing his thing in the world, but my mom had one child. Yeah. I'm an only child. I don't, I, I couldn't picture my life there being somebody next to me all the time being like, well, that's my toy. And I, I man, no, listen. I mean, Malvin. from the stories I hear from like when you was a kid before I met you, two of uh-huh. y'all, oh, man. Oh, it would have been crazy. I don't know. My mom would be homeless. We would put holes in the walls. We would be kicked out of every, like, tenants. We, we couldn't be tenants anywhere. It's just crazy. 
I'm like, I was like Dennis the Menace. Yeah. You know, there's like, there's all these different templates of kids. There's the problem child. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a kid that's like a bad kid. Yeah. But see, Dennis the Menace was nice. Yeah. He would come over, hey, Mr. Wilson, how you doing? Oh, what's this, bubble yeah. gum? And then he eat the bubble gum, blow a bubble, the bubble that bubble gets in Mr. Wilson's hair. Yeah. He's got to call his hair yeah. out. But he was nice. Yeah. I was a nice kid. I just would be like, oh, look, a baseball. And I'd pick it up and throw it in my hands. Yeah. You know how you catch a, throw it up. Yeah. And then the third time I throw it and it goes all the way up to the ceiling, yeah. goes through the ceiling, gets stuck in the ceiling, hits a pipe, yeah. the pipe bursts, and your bathroom Make floods. You shack, come over my house, break my hoop, just got it. All right, man, let it no, go. I man. can't let that go, man. That <laughs> was. It was I don't care. Like, actually, like twenty years ago. I don't ago. care. I just got that hoop. <laughs> I knew you was coming over. I, like, I got a new. I'm gonna get this new hoop so we can hoop. Came here, thought you were Shaq, man. Thought you would come here like Shaq, the logo on his shoes. That's how you dunked on my hoop. Feet hanging. You <laughs> can't hang to, on the. I tried to hang on the door. <laughs> you can't hang a on a, a room that I had taped rim. to the wall. <laughs> taped to the wall. You tried to hang. You were like a good. What were you like? A good hundred, like almost two hundred. Yeah, that was a good one twenty something like that. Like, you tried yeah, to was, hang yeah. on a hoop that I had duct tape. <laughs> To the wall, man. Broke it, ruined the whole weekend. I wanted, I was, wanted, I wanted you guys after that, man. I said, have you, "Is your mom coming to get you?" When is your mom? <laughs> when is your mom coming back? I'm like she just left. She just drove down the road. Like, <laughs> God, man, I gotta feed you. Get out of my house. <laughs> oh, that was how. That was that was the Alvin effect. I would go to people's house. They're like, "I do something yeah. terrible." When now you got a grudge against me. The whole yeah, you're like, I'm like. And do you guys have any, now I'm asking for shit, like, do you guys have any food? You're like, I don't want you to do anything for you. Get out. <laughs> All the plans now have animosity towards, like, I was going to take you and my son. You're, the, you're his cousin. I was going to take y'all to the movies. Now I was like, I don't want to buy you a movie ticket. Come here, break my precious vase. <laughs> step all on my flowers in my, in my yard because you want to do cartwheels in the front yard. You, you step on, kill all the roses. And you want me to go buy you popcorn? Go home. <laughs> You're, I think you're going to go. And then my mom would magically be like, I thought I could stay till Sunday. She's like, yeah, I know, but we're going to go home. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I guess we have to do something at home. I never had any questions. I'm like, I guess something came up and I can't spend the rest of the weekend. I never had any questions as to why the weekend always was cut short. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, I wish I could stay. The, the, my cousin's mom is standing at the steps like, yeah, yeah me too. But here's your bag. See you, <laughs> you never. Go. You got to get the hell out. I don't know where you're going. But go fuck somebody else's <laughs> house up. Get out. So, <laughs> so anyway, that was our rant on Dutch twins. Uh, so, yeah. So, Catherine and Curtis Jr. were born to Curtis Sr. and Stacy Parks. Um, and they were, so, uh, Catherine was the older sister. She was born in 85. And then Curtis came the following year in 86. Catherine and Curtis's childhood was far from idyllic because the entire family suffered relentless abuse from their father. So much so that their mother, Stacy, eventually fled the home, leaving her children behind under the threat of violence from Curtis if she tried to take them. Stacy made her way back to Kansas, where her family resided. Her family allegedly never approved of her relationship with Curtis because she, Stacy, was a white woman and Curtis was a black man who met when she was working at KFC and she gave him some food and he spit her some game and okay. then Rizzed her up. He, bagged her, he bagged her off the spicy extra crispy um and then within a year he got her pregnant mm. and but within a year he was already abusing it was already an abusive relationship he trapped her really quickly yeah. and then got her and then got her pregnant so this guy's a real piece of yeah. shit um risen somebody up off a bucket of chicken but also she's like 17 years right. old it's like do you have a, if you have a car and you have money to buy a chicken yeah. you're doing pretty well in in the pool of men's that boys that she's dating 
So like I said, uh, her family never really approved of her relationship. So him being an abuser only added fuel to the anti-Curtis fires. So when she shows up back in Kansas and is like, I had to get away, you know, I had to leave the kids behind, but I want to bring them back. They were like, oh, mm, mm, mm. we don't do mulatto babies here. So they were they were very anti her kids. Oh shit! Okay, I didn't see that. But, I didn't see that much. Yeah, but she was but she was in a hard spot. So, man, she had to leave her kids behind. Being that predicament where it's like, okay, I have to get out of here for my own my own health and safety, wealth, and it's like I got to leave my babies behind. It's like that's mm-hmm. a tough decision you have to make. But now imagine you get to you have a so, so, so some people don't have a support system. Yeah. But imagine you get to your support system and they're like. Mm, we're kind of that thing where we're racist, so you can stay. So you can leave them where they are. I thought, I thought usually you have a mix grandbabies. You kind of change that's your... The, that's the tale of today, but this is 86. I've seen a lot of movies and TV shows where it's like, I was uh, a hell's angel and a severe racist. Yeah. And then my son brought home a little curly-haired creamy yeah. light skinned baby time, and now it, time, it just made my it made my melt heart it, it made my it heart trying to burn my uh my white robe and my confederate flag and it was and so yeah it, it I, I used the fire from my uh burning my robes to melt my cold heart and now i love my little light skinned baby little black babies all kind of beautiful stories are happening in today's world but in 86 it was like i'm racist and you're wrong like you did something that's wrong. not that long ago. why'd you have bro if you would have said like the world's a different place than it was. <laughs> we sure. talked about this, bro. Yeah, yeah. 2010, there were people who were saying shit that you would never say today. Oh, yeah. People just talk different, walk different. The world was, was different. Yeah, you get different, away with yeah, different stuff. It's completely different. Yeah, yeah. And that's only 13 years ago. That's so 86 true. was like, you know, a whole different world. So she had no family support. She moved out to Kansas. Wasn't really uh, in a position to bring her kids out there because her family disapproved of everything about her life and her family, which is... You know, I hear all these stories about Thanksgiving and people being like, you know, my white uncle gets drunk and he talks about politics or, you know, politics is just cold for, for racist shit. Today. Yeah, but like, like my uncle talks about politics. Racist shit? Yeah. Your uncle says he hates Mexicans and you're saying that he gets political yeah. at, at Thanksgiving. But anyway, um, he comes with like a build the wall shirt on. Like, what is it? Yeah. You're like, yeah, it's a shirt made of it's a shirt made of bricks. bricks. You're like, this is crazy. Like, no, nah, I really I really I, I live and die for this shit. <laughs> But anyway, it's like, yeah, you know, so we just let him do his thing. I don't know. I don't really talk to him. Nah. But like, your kids? Nah, but yes, I agree. Nah, fuck him and leave, <laughs> I'm gone. leave Thanksgiving. I'm not just yeah. like, where's the macaroni? I, I'm not paying him anymore. Where's the food? <laughs> yeah. like, he's I get it, Uncle Frank. I know. <laughs> Build that wall. I get it. But like, now it's your kids. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about your kids. Like, they disapprove of your, your Uncle Frank is saying your kids are an abomination. I'm leaving Kansas. I will like, or I'm, le- I'm, I'm going to do it on my own in Kansas. You know, like I'm not gonna, I don't want to be a part of this. If you, I, I, these are my kids. I birthed these kids. These are my children. And you're saying, nah, we don't really, they're not welcome here. Then I'm not welcome. Yeah. here. So I think she, I think she just reached a, a breaking point where she said, I, he's going to kill me. I have to go. Hmm. And I'll figure it out as we get into, she figures, yeah, she yeah. gets herself situation. She comes back. So, um, which we'll get into, but a few months after their mother had left the house in in 1989, Curtis Sr. was charged with second degree murder for shooting two men at a pool hall. The children were sent to live with Curtis Sr.'s mother in Alabama, but the charges were eventually dropped after it appears that the shooting was in self-defense. He wasn't in jail for long and the children were eventually returned to his care. Now, Fran, 
I would love to get your thoughts on this. So, like, self-defense or not, the trauma of taking two lives probably has, you know, that that probably has on a person's psyche. Like, I don't think that they should be giving kids back immediately without proper psychological evaluations. You know, like, I don't know if you're ready to take care of kids again after you murk two people, whether it's justified or not. Like, I know we joke a lot on this podcast about, yeah, you know, people breaking in and what I would do. And, you know, if I had to stab a guy, like he breaks into my house, I'm protecting my family, and I stab a guy and he dies in my house. I don't think I'm just okay. Like, well, I, it was him or me and self-defense, and that, I didn't get in trouble. The police said it was a justified killing, and, you know, I'm just fine. You killed a person. Yeah. I think that would have my – it would make my hands shake. It would, it would affect yeah. me. You know? What do you think? Do you think that's like – what do you think? I mean, obviously you've never done it, but, like, um, you think you'd be okay? After, like, killing somebody? Yeah. Fully justified, like I'm, I'm saying, fully justified. Somebody comes to my house and no, I may be traumatized of like maybe yes, maybe yes. In a I way. mean the action been, of it. Yeah, I mean, I've been somebody yeah. broke my house before, held me at gunpoint. Uh, I told this a while ago. Right. If somebody missed that, but yeah. I still come in the house, cut on every light, and I still look behind the doors. So right. I still, yes, I still that trauma is still with. There's me, a trauma to and it, and I still deal with it. So yeah, I'm sure that affect anybody. Doesn't matter what justified or not. What's the situation and Somebody come to your house, you're protecting your family. I think you still deal with that every day. It's just you, you don't, still murdered a person. You don't, you, know, you, don't, you, know, you know, that just don't go away. Yeah. Uh, Seeing yeah, the light of uh, the life leave yeah, somebody. You like, it was, I uh, think about yeah. that. I could have died that day. Like, and you, it, it was a deadly situation yes. that I came out of the other yeah. end of. So I think, yeah, that, I, that would definitely affect me no matter if, you know, whatever the, however bad the situation was, I think that still sticks with you. And for me, yes, like, if I shot, stabbed somebody, somebody dies in my on my in my house on my floor. Oh no! You still living? Yeah. You still gotta walk past this this that right. spot. Now this, every was, day? now this was at a this was this was at a pool yeah. hall. So let me just there is a difference in that yeah. regard. But still, you 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 killed. But two now people. if you're crazy though, if you're crazy, it's like I wasn't. That's my point. And it doesn't matter. That's my point. If he is, my point is if you are able to go, yeah, man, bring my kids yeah. back. They they are dead as fuck and piss on their graves. You guys want to get some ice cream? Not that he was, I don't think he was a good dad. So I don't think he like got them back and went on to take them to the park and push them down slides. And he just continued to be like a bad person. And it didn't affect whatever his baseline of fatherhood was. It didn't affect it. But I feel like if it doesn't affect you, you are severely mentally ill. If you can kill two people and just move on with your life. I think, I I, I don't know. I feel like there's something wrong. Was it self-defense? That's what it, they, they found it to be. That maybe he was just like it was self defense. I was protecting myself, and that's it. I had to do what I hey, had. Hey, I'm sh- sure, but I don't know if I'm ready to take back on two kids again after that. I need some time, or not even me. That, that's I, I feel like it shouldn't be up to you. I feel like the state that took the kids after he was charged should go. Hey, man, you got to go to some classes. We got to make sure your mind's right before we place two small children back into well, your. Maybe care. he was like, I don't want to do that to my kids. I mean, I just they should be here with me. Yeah, and he's like, I'm fine. And they were like, well, he, he said he's fine. So anyway, here you go. <laughs> you have him back. He, he kills two people in self-defense. His kids are taken away to be in the care of his mother for a brief moment, and then he gets them back. Four years later, in 1993, their mother had returned to Florida, which is where they were, after seemingly setting up a new life on her own in Kansas. And uh, she, she came to Florida, took the kids out of school, and like went on the run. Curtis Sr. had her arrested, and she was charged with a third-degree felony f- for interfering with custody. 
The children were returned to their father and the charges were dropped against their mother. And so I guess in exchange, he was like, I'll drop the charges if you just bring the kids back. But, but this shows... Oh, go is ahead. this... By him doing that, and we'll uh-huh. get, you know, deep into the story, is this... Is he doing this out of... In spite of mm. her, her not having the kids... But like, if you're going to treat these kids bad... Why have why them? Why have them? Is this just like, like I said, in spite of... Her, it's so she won't have them, so she won't have anything to do with them. And that, they're my kids. Fuck you. I'm sure it's a lot of that. I don't know if they were selfish, man. That's just getting checks. They could have been, maybe they were financially beneficial, like they were getting some kind of check from the state for them. I don't know if that's the case. I think this is just a dude who's controlling and abusive, and it, these are my kids, and they stay with me. If you, you want to leave me, you fucking leave, but my kids stay with me because fuck you. That's, I think that's who Curtis Sr. is. So I don't think I don't think this was anything like he thought he was doing a good job or whatever, because we'll get into the twist or not even a twist. But where this goes is so disgusting. And I'd love your thoughts as a parent when we get there. But you know how this starts to progress. And it's just it's like unbelievable. So anyway, so that same year of 1993, a family member was charged with molesting his girlfriend, Sonia Spates, daughter and did some jail time. Upon his release. On molestation charges, that family member began living with Curtis Sr. and his children. So this guy gets out of prison on child molestation charges. The charges were against your girlfriend's children. And you then take that family member. I don't I mean, we're not family anymore. But you take that family member and you move them into your house where you have young children. If I find out that you're a child molester... We're not friends. We're not fan. I don't know you anymore. You certainly cannot be around my children and you cannot be in my residence. So that tells you if anybody had any questions about like, why is he holding on to these kids so tight? Obviously because he's a controlling abusive person. But if anybody went, well, maybe he loves his kids. You can't. There's no way you love your kids. A rumor, friend. If I heard a rumor like, yeah, he was dating this girl and she had a kid and they broke up because she said she got a weird vibe. You're not, I'm not letting you be around my kids. He was charged and sent to prison. Again, I, I, they don't know if it was, you know, obviously the guy's a family member, but they don't know if it was financially why he let him stay there or was it just Yeah, like why? Or like, but it does, that doesn't, that doesn't even matter. It's like, right. If, again, if, if it's just a rumor, if it's a rumor, it's something close to that. It's in the vicinity of you being a, you touching kids and something. Smoke is yeah, fire. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, man, it's like. But he doesn't care, though. It's like, and that's my point of, like, why is he doing so much to take his kids away from the mom where it's just like, you letting the child molester come in your house with your young kids and you just don't care? That's like, come on. Like, that's just, that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't at all. And, I, again, I, I guess, like, okay, let's say the rent was 1000 and he's giving that you $300 even a month. So <laughs> what? Like, he's no, a child. Hell no. He's a child, he's a child molester. Like, what are we talking about? But that's just... Again, that's that's his family member. He probably like that shit's not true. He probably, that guy probably was like, man, that yeah. shit's not true, dog. Like it's not. That's that's Trevor, man. He they that was some bullshit. That, but again, how can you say that when the child is your girlfriend's child and the girlfriend is living in the house yeah. too, but she doesn't have custody of her kids because they're being raised by her mother. So now the, you, the mother's forgiving you. The father, Curtis Senior, is letting it slide and there's two kids in the house at full time who have to deal with being around this guy who's just got out of prison on child molestation charges for whatever reason it's 
he's the guy he has to stay with. Curtis Senior's house is the only house this guy can stay at. Prison. Probably, yeah, stay in prison. <laughs> probably, but probably because everybody else went, I'm not letting a child molester stay at my right. house. And Curtis Senior, Curtis Jones Senior was the only person that went, cuz. No, I got you. You can stay no, with me. You. It has to be bro. They say family member. They never identify him because of whatever reason. Yeah. But he definitely wasn't he wasn't I, a minor because he wouldn't have went to prison. Right. So it has to be brother. It has to be some kind of closer familiarity than cousin. Yeah. Because it's just why would you do hey, just stay, hey man, you come live here, just stay in your room, lock the doors, don't come out, kids around. That's crazy. Like, you know what I mean? That's crazy. Got the boundaries. I set up some boundaries. <laughs> I told him, you know. He can't come to our house between uh, three when they get out of school and eight. When they go to bed. Yeah. We got off at six, so they're home in that latchkey kid time from like 2.30 to 5.30. Great time yeah. for me. Had a lot of, oh, I was such a fun latchkey kid. Oh, my house was the spot. But it wouldn't have been the spot if there was some creepy uncle or whatever hanging out. It, mm. He would have fucked the vibes up. Anyway, sometime in 1994, DCF was contacted after Curtis and Catherine visited their mother in Kansas. Curtis was about eight years old at the time, which would make Catherine about nine years old. They were a year apart. Uh, and he told his mother that the family member, who we've been talking about, who was sharing their home, and specifically his room, was touching him inappropriately. So he tells this to his mother, free in Kansas, free, you know, from under the thumb of Curtis Sr. He, he expresses himself. Once he returns to Florida and DCF follows up to speak with the family there, the eight-year-old started telling a different story. Probably as Curtis Sr. stood there with his arm on his, his hand on his shoulder and telling him that, nah, what are you talking about? He made yeah. that up. You know? So, which is, I don't know, it's just so sad. Like, I got a lot of Gabriel Hernandez vibes. I remember that, that trial of Gabriel, or Fernandez Hernandez, I think it was Fernandez. Gabriel Fernandez, I want to say, on Netflix, the okay, kid yeah. who was his fa- his his mom, mom and his stepdad. stepdad like abused him to death, but the the but the protective services kept coming out, and they take pictures of him and see the 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 conditions of the home, and they just never did anything. Now I, I wouldn't say DCF didn't come out a ton of times, but they came out a couple of times, at least three. They came and out at least three times, at least three times, and every time it was it was there was rumors of assault, and they never had any proof, could never prove anything, but like. Come, like, come on. Man. Why can there be a some type of um some type of investigating investigating investigation period where it's just like we'll take them. I don't know. Now this yes. is, has something to do with staff and and and, and financial. And I, I I get all that, but I mean like yeah. why can't there be a program where it's like okay we when there's a claim remove them a claim, we take them for some a period of investigation time and then we we investigate and then if. If things come up clear, then they go back, and if not, you go back. You either extend it, or you know, we keep them away. Like, why can't it be right? But you make some kind of list yeah. too. Like, you've we've now done all of that, and we'll be back yeah. randomly. Yeah, like no we'll schedule. be back periodically right. yes. to just check in. If you've had because three reports of somebody going, yeah, this kid's been touched or said they've been touched or. We're just going to say it's a lie. Like, oh, somebody, false call. Somebody wanted to be, their mom's a bitch. Whatever the thing is. Like, come on, man. They're saying the kid was touched. I don't know. But again, within the trial of Gabriel Fernandez, the documentary on Netflix, there was a bunch of stuff about staffing and I get that. bureaucratic shortcomings and all this stuff. And it's an overworked system. And there's a lot of, I get all that. But we're talking about kids. Yeah. Right? So, Financial again, so money, Curtis. That shouldn't, that shouldn't matter. Like, it shouldn't matter. We gotta we gotta we figure it out. Jeff Bezos is worth billions of dollars. It's 
So it's like PD two are worth billions of dollars, and it's like we can't find money to like fund these. You can't you can't like, pay somebody what, an hourly what are we, rate to go what to is a going house. On? And, I just don't. I I can never wrap my head around that. I don't understand how somebody, one person individually, could work, be worth so much money, yeah. and we can't find the money to fund these programs. Well, we'll never we'll never come together as a society to figure it out, friend, because the way that the media works is they got us arguing about who has more money, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, who has more money, Jay-Z or P. <laughs> Diddy. We, we're having arguments as people who are struggling to pay yeah. rent about who is a real yeah. billionaire. And I don't care. We're, we're like, that's really the... I don't care. But but a lot of the world, a lot of society does. And it's like... Nobody needs, the way that much, that they nobody so easily, needs a billion dollars. Nobody needs it makes me out. sometimes. Sometimes I sit back and I don't like to talk like this on podcast because I don't want to get um, ra- found randomly in my car, uh, dead from smoke inhalation, and there's no smoke yeah. in the car. But the way that it's, it's the media now. is, it's, if it happens, we have it on record. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, yeah, but the way the media is so easily able to manipulate people when there's like a war in Ukraine and all these trillions of dollars are being sent there, and they're just like, "Man, did y'all see this dress? Is it yellow or is it blue?" And that controls the media cycle for weeks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a bombing in Aleppo, and all these kids are killed. And they're just like, "Man, would you ra- would you rather date Travis Scott or Harry Styles?" And the world is just like uh, Twitter arguments, and everybody's just distracted. And it just it fascinating. Did you ha- did you try this new food from Trader Joe's? And it's and it's like truly horrible things happening yeah. in the world. And they're able to just like throw a ball, and we're like dogs. We just look over there, and we're looking for a ball that they didn't throw. So easily, it really is like. You know, society is it's a it's a lot of puppets. Where it's a it's a lot of puppets, and the strings are being controlled. And when dark stuff happens in this world, they're able to go. But look over here, though. Yeah. Remember when J.P. Morgan they had a whole they had a boat full of cocaine, and I don't think anybody went to prison. That just kind of went away. <laughs> also, Barack Obama's chef died in his in his backyard. That's like it's like a, it's like that a second, died? that's what I, this is a, this is what I heard like uh, this is what I heard like this is like his second hey man you know like, something hey, uh, <laughs> it's like his second Curtis Jones <laughs> like his Curtis second Jones, chef that has died me. and like nobody knows like nobody <laughs> knows so the DCF was <laughs> scratch that scratch that scratch that from the record scratch yeah the, that. <laughs> I, did, I never said that let <laughs> me make a time stamp at one hour and twenty minutes uh so uh so yeah so apparently there was social worker abuse happening and you know uh, or apparently there was abuse happening and social workers weren't following through or couldn't prove anything and there was another time when dcf was called when curtis had shown up to school with a black eye once again abuse was suspected and noted but nothing was followed up on so there's multiple occasions where these kids are showing up abused or telling stories and you know dcf is coming out but they're not really following through with anything so at this point, there are clear indications that the home situation is at the very least questionable and concerning. There are, there are you know, murmurs. There are murmurs at the very least at this point. The traumatic home situation proceeded for Curtis and Catherine for a, a number of years until on September 22nd, 1998, 13-year-old Catherine ran away from home. According to DCF documents, a teacher at Space Coast Middle School told Child Welfare workers that she was suspected that she suspected Catherine was being sexually abused at home by the family member. This was years in the making and who knows how long it was happening 
well, we get some indication because Catherine goes on later in life to speak about it. But like before this teacher said anything, who years, this could have been happening. So um, state investigators reported finding some indicators of physical abuse and, and sexual molestation. Unfortunately, Catherine denied the molestation when approached by DCF and returned home. So again, the, the, the hand on the shoulder of Curtis Sr. being like, what? What are you guys doing on my doorstep? We're fine. This is a family, right, baby? And she's like, yeah, I didn't, that didn't happen. Yeah. I just ran away from home because I was being a bad kid or whatever he told yeah. her to say. Also, what also plays a part is that her brother's there. Not yes. being separated could also play a part. Yes. It's like, now, if I say this, they, they might take me out. Leave my brother here. And that would be the same way I would go, I'm not leaving my brother here. Especially what we dealing with yeah. in here, I'm not leaving my brother here. It's not happening. For sure. For sure. My mother did that to us. I'm not doing that to him. Yeah, for sure. So that, that's a good point, friend. Um, so investigators closed the case after offering parenting and counseling services, which Catherine's father declined. Huh. Yeah. Obviously. Um, he's like, what are y'all going to, what am I going to go to a class where y'all tell me I'm abusing my kids? I already know that. <laughs> uh, she would later say that her father intimidated her into lying. Uh, Catherine also went on to say in an interview that he did everything but penetration when speaking about her, uh, her fa the family member. Um, she told this to Florida Today. She said the family member in question, uh, she said it wasn't rape, but it was it was touching and fondling and oral sex. Uh, trigger warning here. It's graphic. I don't mean to be graphic, but I just these are her words, and, and she spoke her story, and she deserves to have her story told. She said he would make me perform oral sex to the point where I would throw up. She's a child. This is a young, a young child. Um, the only person she could turn to for comfort and understanding was Curtis Jr., who knew personally what Catherine was experiencing because he was also a victim. Why wasn't he addicted? But I, I, that's, that's I, they said like he, they, he was never he was never proven to be guilty of doing anything to them. But I would assume you could look him up in the charges that oh, it's previous charges, right? But exactly. But I don't know. They don't. I, they, nobody's identifying his name for you to be able to look his name up. So there's all this terrible stuff happening to Catherine and Curtis, but there was one incident that finally propelled them to stand up and fight back. Days after the Department of Children and Family Services closed their investigation into sexual abuse against the Jones children, Catherine was in the shower when the male relative bursted into the bathroom, ripped open the shower curtain, and stared at her. Catherine says... He started masturbating while I was in the corner of the shower crying. When he was done, the relative left 50 cents on top of the toilet seat. Almost like it was a, like a service. Like it was a service. Like you thank, thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Here's some, here's 50 cents. Go get yourself uh, some candy, you know, um, which is, uh, it's already incredibly degrading, but to, yeah. but to pay somebody for violating them, it, it's throwing salt yeah. in the wound. So this is a really awful person, and the father is the most awful because he facilitated this. After multiple instances of DCF, of DCF coming to the door and saying, hey, we're getting reports that there's something awful happening here, and he ignored it every time. No, nah, he ignored it. He just didn't, <laughs> he care. didn't care. And on top of that, there was a report that uh, Sonia, whatever her last name, her kids, lived with their grandmother for most of the time, but this year, in 1998, they moved in for a little bit of time. Like she, they stayed with them for a couple of months. So the kid, one of the one of the kids at least of Sonia's was molested by this man, and they brought them into the house yeah. too. 
So now a kid who actually now there's three kids who've been molested at least. I don't. She had two kids. I don't know about the other kid being touched, but one of the kids was touched by him. So now you have three kids in under one roof who've been molested by one person who is not on a lease, not a homeowner or whatever. He is a guest in the home, and he has molested three children under one roof. So according to Catherine, she says that's when I started writing in my journal that I'm gonna kill everybody. She recalls saying that's how it happened. It was that everything was a buildup. But that instance, after that incident happened, I was like, this is done. For a child to be that young and 13, 13 years old. The idea of like wanting to kill somebody, like you kill kill everybody. It's like, where do you, where did he get that from? Broken. They've been pushed. The only way they see out is if these people don't exist anymore. That's scary, man. It's sad. It's sad because it really speaks to how broken they were. They didn't see any other. They didn't. There was nobody. They didn't see their mom coming. They, there was nobody. The DCF keep, keeps coming and not getting us out of here. So I don't think they saw any other outlet for them to be removed together, like you said, for them to both be removed from the house safely because they weren't going without the other one. Neither of them was going without the other one. So for the next few months, things seemed to get worse. Catherine said that she and Curtis planned to escape their abusive situation by killing the three people enabling it. The male relative, their father, and Sonia Spates. Catherine formulated a plan to carry out the murders with Curtis Jr., and they agreed on the murder weapon, which would be their father's 9mm semi-automatic pistol. They also decided on their first victim, Sonia Spates. Um, Some time passed, but at the top of the year... Um, of the new year on January 6, 1999, Sonia and Curtis Jr. found themselves at the table at, at the dinner table at home while their father was away. While sitting at the dinner table across from Sonia Spates working on a jigsaw puzzle, the family member was supposedly en route to come home as well. Curtis Jr. sat across from Sonia with the 9mm pistol gripped in his lap hidden under the table. And we actually have a clip, friend, that you wanted yeah. to play that where, where uh, Catherine details what happened next. On January 6, 1999, their attack began. He was in the kitchen and I was sitting at the table. I already knew it was fixing to happen. We had already talked about it and she was sitting at the other dining room table. And um, he shot her in the chest. And um, she tried to grab the phone and I went and took the phone. Curtis fired the gun several times at Nicole until she wasn't moving anymore. But his sister could see him trembling with fear and shock, so she took the gun and fired the last two bullets at the patio. Then she cleaned the gun. I actually took the fingerprints off the gun and wiped it down. And I told my brother that um, he he got hysterical. He had an emotional breakdown because once again, this is reality now. This isn't some idea that's in our head anymore. This is reality. That is a part that I think is important. Again, I don't want to touch on any of that kind of stuff till the end, but you know, she says out of her own mouth that after this was done, they took the gun. She took the gun. She cleans the gun. So I think that's important to note just the, the scene and the, the coldness and you know, those, those things are important to know. But so she does that and uh, shoots Sonia Spates and then takes the gun from Curtis and cleans the gun off. So looking back, Catherine says that she knows the plan, especially starting with Sonia made no sense and that she should have focused on focused her intentions on the abusive family member. But this is a 13 year old brain and just like everybody in this house is, mean and hurting us and so we're going to do it whoever comes up first i think they saw an opportunity and they took it to to 
to stop one of the three people they felt was responsible for this happening. But she says in her adult brain, I should have just, we should have just killed the guy who was doing yeah. the abuse. Hindsight is, hindsight yeah. is twenty twenty. But I mean, like, she was part of the problem. I mean, like, I for mean, sure. I, I get everybody them, like, was, we should have went after the, the main person, but they all yes. played a part in this. They all enabled and, it. They all were enabled. And if I'm it. them, they all knew I about mean, this it. might be terrible to say, but I'm like, all y'all, whoever's, I got the opportunity. I mean, like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, because nobody else. I don't see anybody else getting you me. You ain't out of the helping, so it's like you only a part of the problem. Yeah, so for sure, it, it, it's messy. We will, of course, put a pin in that about feelings until yeah. we finish. But yeah, I, you know, it, it's this is very, um, it's a complicated one, and it's sad, and it's just like nobody wins, and it's just really fucked up. But anyway, so uh, what happens next is kind of um, not fully known, but at some point. Curtis raised the weapon and started firing at Sonya. Catherine admits to taking the gun from Curtis and also firing at Sonya and then wiping the gun off. Uh, Sonya, uh, the gun was shot a total of nine times and Sonya was hit with four bullets. Catherine said Curtis started shaking and crying, which she said, she said in the clip, um, and the children dragged the body to the bathtub, leaving behind a trail of blood. They poured bleach on the carpet and the floor. So that shows, so far we've heard planning, intent and an attempt to cover things up. This is a, this is a 13 and a 12 year old child who have been severely abused. According to reports, they ran from one friend's house to another saying that they shot Spates by accident. That's also shows intent. When, when parents of their friends said that they had to call the police, the children fled and hid in a wooded area near their house. Police found them in the morning. And at first they said that the killing was an accident, which was hard, which was a hard story to stick to because detectives were at the scene and they realized that the body had been moved. There's bleach on the carpet. Like they, the scene is, these are professionals. You guys are 12 and 13 years old. If it was an accident, why'd you move the body? If it was an accident, why'd you pour bleach on the ground? And you know, so shortly after the interview with the police began, the children admitted to their plot to kill Spades. Catherine would later say that, as absurd as it sounds, despite the severity of the charges, she was just happy to no longer be in that house, which is incredibly yeah. sad, but also profound. Like, listen, if I'm going to prison, uh, that's fine. I just couldn't spend another day in that house. Despite a record of concern in some DCF visit files, a lack of concrete evidence of sexual abuse proved difficult to build a trial defense around. Investigators also pointed out Catherine's apparent lack of remorse. So basically what I just said was there was smoke, but there was never any real uh, proof to any accusations. So to say like we did this whole thing because we were being abused and there's no proof, definitive proof of either of them being abused. There are DCF agents going out there and saying, we suspect something. There are signs, something sketchy. She said this to her mom. He said this to her mom. The school said this. There's no proof. So we can't build this whole thing around, well, they just couldn't take it anymore. They were in the middle of being abused, and they snapped, and they just defended themselves because there's no proof of that. How do you ignore something like that so, from a 13-year-old? They came out with a plan to kill one of the abusers in the home, and you just go like, all right, well, we can't. I get they, you know, the court, you know, you can't build. They can't build a case. There it is. But it's like, you still. That's it. But that's, that's it right there. Up, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. And if the, if the prosecution is saying this is what, this, they, they killed this person. Also, the if the prosecution is saying this, 
yes, but also keep this in mind. If the prosecution is saying this was defense, it's like, well, Sonya Spates didn't abuse them. The defense yeah. attorneys are always like, let's let's say that she was uh, sexually assaulted, which, okay, why would they shoot their father's husband or their father's girlfriend? So what the what the what the uh, prosecution ended up saying was. They were jealous of their relationship. Uh, the the girlfriend was having with their father. They were taking. She was taking the father away from them, and they they teamed up as brother and sister to kill this woman to get this woman out of their life. And that story sells better than well, it was self defense. Okay, well, if it was self defense, why'd they shoot oh, the woman and not the guy that they're saying is a molester? Well, you know, they had a plan to get to him eventually. Hmm. Okay. Well. Hmm. Jury. That sounds crazy, right? Am I right, jury? Other lawyer tricks? That just, we don't really believe that. I think that's it's crazy. What if dad wasn't home? Maybe and the other guy wasn't home. And Child Protective Services has been out at least three times. The, def- the defense could say that. Never, 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 never proved anything. Dropped every, every investigation was closed. That's crazy. Ac- was that Rick Ross meme? Accusations! <laughs> it's just accusations, man. That's all it is. Accusations! Uh, I hate court, but yeah, sure, whatever. It's tough, but again, we're gonna hold all you know of our personal feelings till we finish wrapping things up, which we're we are winding down. We're really things are pretty laid out at this point. Um, so knowing a first degree murder conviction would result in a life sentence, lawyers worked out a plea deal for a second degree murder. It was accepted on August sixteenth of nineteen ninety nine. According to attorney Kepler Funk, the only way that they could have pre- presented a self-defense argument was if the kids had been in imminent danger. Tony Hernandez was a, was an attorney who represented both the children briefly before they got new representation. So not, not Kepler Funk. Kepler Funk is an attorney, but he wasn't their attorney. Tony Hernandez was their attorney who represented them briefly. And he said that he had hoped for a manslaughter charge um, and a juvenile and a manslaughter charge and a juvenile sentence. They got one of the two. So he was saying if they he, if he would have got both those things, then they could have served three years in prison and four years on probation. Prison is nuts. To be that young? Prison is abs- <laughs> prison is absolutely nuts. These, now we're talking at this point, we're talking about 14, yeah. 13 year old. 14 year old Dang. and 13 year old. Yes, absolutely crazy. So um they were charged with second degree murder, but as adults. Mm. So they were they got one of the two. They got to drop down a second degree murder, but they were charged as adults. Now is that part of the def- is that part of the prosecution? Is that part of them trying to what they was aiming for? Or? I'm sure the prosecution wanted to give them as much prison time as Man, he could. That's fucked up, ain't it though? It's very fucked up, but it's also it's not it's, the prosecution's job is based on the story that he tells. I'm sure if the story if they accepted, like let's say this was a case where they the 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 family member was attacking the kids right there in the moment they were in imminent danger and they shoot him. If the prosecutor, if the prosecutor has to go, that happened. That's a fact, and they shot him in self defense. Then, of course, it would make them look bad as a prosecutor to throw the book at these kids, if that's the story he has to tell. But the story the prosecutor had to tell was not that. That was the story of the defense. The story the prosecutor told was these kids hated their mother, their father's girlfriend, didn't want her around anymore, and so they killed her. These are bad kids. These are evil kids who planned a malicious murder, dragged the body to a bathroom, and poured bleach on the carpet. This was an intentional murder, and they killed this woman because they didn't want her around anymore. I want them to do the most time they could do. This is evil. They are evil kids. So you, you get yeah. what I'm saying? No, I get it. If it was the reverse, and then the prosecutor's like, listen, something bad happened. We got to give them time, but they were defending themselves. This guy was a bad person. 
And so let's give them, let's charge them as kids. They would have got the, they would have got the sentence that this guy's Tony Hernandez was saying. They would have got three years char, you know, in a in a juvenile prison or whatever, and then four years on probation because they did kill somebody, but they were in imminent danger. It was them; they were being assaulted, and so they defended themselves. But that's not the story the prosecution told. They told the story of a terrible duo of evil Dutch twins who need the book thrown at them, and and that's what he did. Damn, how do you sleep at so, night? Very well in the big house, I'm sure. Um, I don't give a shit. So, yeah, it's like whatever. Damn, nah, I couldn't. I couldn't be a lawyer, man. I couldn't. Couldn't, couldn't yeah. do it. Specific. I mean, specifically I a prosecutor. You come it. across, it's like you know your your job is to your job is not to be right. Your job is to win. So you might go, oh, this person definitely did this, but the person, the defense has no proof of that, or this person definitely didn't do this. I'm sorry, they're the prosecutor. This person definitely didn't do this, but their defense is terrible, and so I'm gonna lock them the fuck up and win this case. I, for the most, I could be wrong, but I'm sure prosecutors don't go. Well, let me try to see if this kid is innocent, because I'm I'm sure you don't want to know. I'm looking at trying to make them look guilty. That's my job. Trying to make them look innocent, you could come across something that goes, well, their cell phone says they weren't anywhere near. That's not my job. That's the defense's but you job. Know, but you do know that information, though. You do know that information where it's just like... If it's, if it's discovered, yeah, yeah, if it's I mean, made evident to everybody. Though, you know that information where it's just like... But it's not my job oh, to be looking man, and connecting the dots. No, no, no that's not my job. I'm connecting, I'm connecting Even my dots. Even on the side of a, being a defendant where I'm like, Johnny yeah. Cochran. Oh, if uh, I'm Johnny, yeah, Cochran, Johnny Cochran, and I'm like, I Alan got this man yeah. off on a double, <laughs> on a double homicide, <laughs> and now I get to hop in my Mercedes Benz or whatever, Rolls Royce, and go home. I don't know if I can... That's just me. I don't know if I can live my life. Shake his hand, know. give him a hug. The hit, it's like, oh, he did it. It's like, all the effort. And you know, and you I know, got some, him off. And you know, some usual suspect shit happened when OJ, when, they, when, when Johnny Cochran said, all right, OJ, man, drive safe. He's like, I will. And then he put on some isotoner gloves to, to drive yeah. his car home. And it's like, <laughs> thanks a lot, Johnny. Uh, be safe out there in the world. It's a lot of dangerous people. Uh, he gets in the car and drives away. Now, some spooky shit happened when they parted ways. You know, OJ was like, shit. he like, he drove away and like threw a bag, a, a Ziploc bag over a bridge as he drove away. He's like, that was the <laughs> knife. He like, yeah, no. So yeah, I mean, listen, it, it's, it's, a, it's a dark game to be uh, in criminal justice for sure. So Hernandez, who was their early attorney, Tony Hernandez, said that dealing with Curtis Jr. was heartbreaking. He said he remembers the child asking if he could have his Nintendo video game with yeah, him in prison. Yeah, hasn't said in yet. It's like, he yeah. just can't. He can't com- he can't comprehend like you know what is really happening. He's thirteen years old, and he's like, "Do they have game? Can I yeah. play my game and while I'm there? Can my sister come?" I'm sure he asked a lot of sad, sad fucking questions. So, Curtis Jones was twelve when he was sentenced to spend eighteen mm. years in prison on second degree murder charges. Twelve years old, man. Twelve years old, bro. His sister Catherine Jones uh, was 13 years old when she was sentenced and she was also convicted on murder charges related to the killing of Sonia Spates. And she was also sentenced to eight, 18 years in prison. I'm surprised they got the same, the same time though. Uh, I think if she was 18 and he was 12, he wouldn't have done a day in prison, even if he shot the gun. So she, cause it was her, so she, it was her plan. Did she wipe the gun was, after you know, she, did she wipe the gun after she wiped, she, she took it, she took it from him, shot it, finished her off basically. And then wiped it. And, and then wiped the okay. gun off. So, yeah, so they both were sentenced to 18 years in prison. In 2015, Curtis was released from prison. Now a 29-year-old ordained minister, ordained minister, sporting prison tattoos on his stomach and on his arms. And I mean, this, this, uh, I don't, 
I don't want to know. He's never done an interview himself. Catherine's the only person that's done public interviews. I'm sure he doesn't want to talk about what happened to him in prison. But him getting... You're going he lost a, 12 years yeah, old. He lost a huge chunk of his life. Being yes. Young. Formative, like... Yeah. But he's not, he's not 70 getting out of jail. I mean, like, that's a oh, silver lining, no, right? no, of course not. But you are... You can't regrow. You know yeah. what I mean? 12 to 29... Prom, heartbreak, the things that happen to you as a kid that emotionally mature you and develop you into a 29-year-old. Could you go to prison at 12? I've heard so many people say, well, like, whatever the age is when you go to prison, that's the age when you, it's like time freezes. You don't grow. You don't learn new foods that you like. You don't travel. You don't, you don't, you are stunted as a person. That All you can do is read books. Everybody that come home from prison is like, I read uh, 50 Laws of Power. Like, I, they have this new education book learning, but they have, they have not grown as a person. In 18 years, this person has been a 12-year-old for 18 years, but had to defend himself, got prison tattoos, became an ordained minister, which means he probably did some dark stuff and then turned his life around or whatever. He had to, I mean, he, he grew up in prison. Really fucking tough, man. That's a really fucking tough thing to, to, to know that somebody spent 18 years in prison from the time they were 12. Hmm. So he was released. He was released first. And then Catherine Jones, who was now 30 years old, was released just a couple of months after Curtis. Hmm. Um, during her time in prison, she participated in interviews, which is uh, what we played. Uh, that was some, some audio from a, a interview that she did. Yeah. Um, she also opened up about her abuse because that wasn't really fully a part of their trial until later. Like, they didn't know everything that was going on in the house until later when she already was convicted in the prison when she really opened up about all the stuff that was happening in the house. Um, so she did, all, she did interviews and opened up, opened up about her abuse that her and her brother suffered that led them to doing what they did. Sonia also got married while incarcerated. And um, some of the quotes from the now 30-year-old woman um, after her release were really heartbreaking. Mm. For example, she said that she needed to learn to trust people again. She said... Quote, in here, you can't trust people. Everyone has a motive for everything. I don't really know how to relate to people. I was exposed to things that I never would have been exposed to at home. There was no way to grow into something different. That's what she said about prison. Yeah. A 13-year-old person went in there and it's just like, everybody has these ulterior motives. I can't trust anybody. And I still got out. I'm Now I'm out and I... That's just who I am now. That's who I've been like programmed into being is I'm just skeptical of everybody. She also said, which we talk about a lot. We joke about a lot. uh, Cell phones, the internet, driving, and you know, other stuff. I never went to high school. She said, Um, she also went on to say, I never wore makeup at home or got my nails done or highlights or any of that good stuff. Friends. So for the friends you made in prison, but the friends you made up until you were 12, 13, 11 years old. Like, I mean, they forgot yeah, about this is, at that point. Ex- damn. What? <laughs> just. She said, I miss food too, more than anything. Um, and they got out and they hired some attorneys and there was a petition for clemency floating around. But in the eight years since they've been released, I don't believe that they have not, re- they have not received yeah. it. I don't think they've received clemency, um, but they're free. They were not, this is, and this, the sad part about this is, this is not a story about, um, something was discovered or something was reversed. Mm-hmm. Like they just served 18 they years. Died. That's how much they, th- they did their time and they were released and they are felons of murder. And that's who they are. Fran, what are your thoughts on like the murder, their conviction? Like, how do you feel? It, what do you, what side are you on? 
now when you ask me that question, mm-hmm. I'm getting flashbacks now. This is not to that level. I'm getting flashbacks of Michelle Blair type of situation. But I do okay, want. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna ask you to I walk. I'm gonna to, ask you to walk carefully. I do want, you want to, <laughs> you know, be careful with what I say, right? Mm-hmm. But I do want to. I just want to put that in to make sure I'm aware of like. Whatever yes. I say is just, you know, we're talking, we're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And just talking openly, talking freely. Yes. Now, do I agree with the sentence? Let's start with that. No, but like what I said, it doesn't matter because like you said, it's just what you can prove in court. In court. So it's like, even if I go like, yeah, they don't deserve that, it's like, it doesn't matter. Now, do they, does... Sonya? Sonya Spates. Spates, Does she deserve... No. I think she was just... It was an opportunity that was open and they they took the opportunity. I don't think... I think if they... I don't know if... I don't know if that's... If if I should say they maybe wanted to kill their dad because at the end of the day that's their father and he Mm -hmm. wasn't the one... Abusing them, but he did. Ha- he did play a huge. Part they were all, but they were all facil- they, they were all playing they their part. A part in it. I think if they wanted to, they would have got the guy who's. I can't believe that we don't know his name. Yeah. Uh, to to put him out there, but I think if they wanted to pick somebody, it would have been it would have been him. But I think the the opportunity they had it would it boiled over to the tipping point where it was just like, this is the person that we have an opportunity to do it, so we just did it to her. Mm-hmm. Does she deserve it? Obviously not. But I mean, like, how? What are you supposed to do if you're going through a situation where, like, you're being abused and it's like, you just, we got to do something so we can get the fuck up out of here. Yeah. And my question would be, would they trade or would they do it any different because of they actually got, I mean, they went to prison, but they got out of that situation of being abused as kids. So it's like, do, would they go and, like, we'll do it differently? Like, I don't know if they would, though. I think they would have killed, I think they would have killed the Yeah, but it's like, but. If you ask them that question, I bet that that's what they would yeah, say. Yeah, but as far as like, but I'm saying like, not even just who they killed. I mean, like, just what they did, just in general. Would they trade? Yeah. Would they trade that? And like, I'd rather we didn't do that. We just stayed in the house and kind of like, you know. No, that was a tough. Qu- I mean, what you what you're saying like, would you just continue to be abused yeah, if you could do it I'm all saying. over like, again? I, they did 18 years. Yeah, I think the answer they, would, the answer would be they did no. 18 years. For me, I would go. I did 18 years, but I got out of that fucking house. Yeah, you know. But my but my point. Well, for one, to 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 agree with you on that, I don't think they were. There was no innocent people in that house. No, absolutely not. Now, did did did, did the father or Sonia Space deserve to be killed? I don't think so. But they were not. She was not like a casualty, innocent person who caught a straight. But she played her role in you know, enabling kids to be molested. Okay. Eighteen years is a long time. And then when you get the full story, and again, you know that nothing was changed, nothing was reversed. They just did 18 years of, of prison time. Yeah. Like, they have no reason to be lying or, like, it doesn't matter. So, you, you know, and, and the evidence in the of him being a molester before, I believe that these were two kids who were being molested and couldn't take it anymore. And they formulated a plan to kill everybody. And as kids with their plan, they followed through their plan as kids and were like, well, this, we have an opportunity to start the plan. And so Sonya's space was home. Nobody else was home. And so they followed through with their plan like kids. And now as adults, they're like, well, you know, probably we should have just like killed the person who was assaulting us, but we felt they were all evil and responsible. Yeah. So they did what they had to do. And it was, it's really tragic and sad that these kids lost 18 years of their lives, but, but also, they dragged the body to the bathtub. They 
poured bleach on the blood. They wiped the gun down. They ran to their friend's house and said it was an accident. They hid in the woods. They they told police it was an accident at first, and then when the evidence was put in front put in front of them, they changed their they, they confessed. Yeah. You know, like they did everything they could to like obfuscate responsibility. <clears throat> and so, while they are twelve and thirteen years old, it's nineteen eighty six, and you guys are moving like adults. You guys are moving like guilty adults who committed a crime and don't want to get in trouble for it. You know what I mean? So I don't know if coming out of the gates, calling the police, there was nothing to really say because, again, Sonya Space was not molesting them. It's not like they could call the police panicking and being like, we were being molested and so we shot her. It, this was a plan. So it all shows intent. Yeah. So when you when you start to confess and you go, okay, so here's the deal. We were being molested. Uh, oh, by Sonya Spades? I'm the detective. By Sonya Spades? No, um, we were being molested by a family member who was living with me, my brother, Sonia, and our, our dad. Okay, well, how did Sonia get involved? Well, we they were all enabling him to, to be there. Her daughter was molested by this guy. It's like, okay, so, uh, but why'd you shoot her? Well, we had we had this plan. So the plan was we were we were done with this and we were going to kill everybody. Yeah. And so we 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 decided to kill everybody, and it just so happened that our dad was out of out of the house and the family member was out of the house and she was home. And so we decided to follow through with our plan that we formulated and kill her with the gun that we decided to kill her with. So it all was like this planned motive was there and it was an intentional killing. It wasn't this like spur of the moment, emotional, we got attacked. So we attacked. Yeah. But I mean like it was an opportunity though. Like if you was to get jumped by three people or let's get, you get jumped by five people and it's like, you're out and you're like, I'm gonna get all of them back. But Mm -hmm. the guy that, that, the guy that maybe, I don't know, took my book bag. He was just, I'm going after him. I'm going everybody. I'm going after everybody that's involved. Yeah, and you will go to prison though, and friend. That's, like and that's, I don't <laughs> care. But that's I don't. But I don't care. But it's like these people all had played a part. Do they deserve yes, it? I agree. No. But it's like you played a part, and then you, I caught you before I caught the other ones. I didn't. I didn't make. The, I didn't make the order. And I'm a. That's. I'm gonna handle my business. I mean, like, that's just how it's gonna go. Okay. Yeah, and that's what happened. And, that's, and so and they got. They got eight. They got and, eighteen years and, in prison. And well, but will I go? But. I would do 18 years in prison, but will I go with a smile on my face because like I got all of them back? <laughs> you damn right. <laughs> damn skippy, I would. But you didn't get all of them back. You didn't get the guy that did the worst of it, and you didn't get your dad who like was beating your mom. Like ruined. Really, the fathers who ruined their yeah. life in every way you know that you can think of. Brought the person into the home, drove their mother away. But that just mean my plan didn't go. Forced I, them to lie to plan. the DCF. I my plan though. Oh please. I'm, no, I'm saying like if I got if I. Oh, you didn't, didn't get to get finish your plan. plan. Right, but, so I don't know how much. But you- the, the, uh, the story and the, or the signal I'm putting out there to the main person would have been they'd have got the point where it would have been like, oh well, if he'd have, he'd have got to me at some point if he'd have went through with his plan. Yeah, I'm, I want I'm you to live in fear I'm fine for the rest. With of- that. I'm I'm totally happy with that. Look over your shoulder exactly. for the rest of your life. He will go. He will walk every day of his life. Went like, damn, that'd have been a story he'd have told all his friends or whatever. Like maybe they stopped got- him from being a child molester. Let's try to. F- I'm just trying to have a silver lining, man. I'm, just, I'm trying to. Doubt it. But yeah, I, he will too. be like, "Dad, they was they were they was coming after me." Yeah, and I just happened. I she was home. Bad luck. She was just home at the time, and I wasn't. Yeah, and the plan was hatched. But yeah, man, that was uh, the story of Catherine Curtis Jones at the time in 1998 or 1999. Man. They were the youngest, the youngest people convicted of first degree murder in this country ever. Um, super complicated story. I'm interested to see what people think about this one. Um, sad story, of course, but yeah, it was a, a wild one for sure. Fran, yeah. uh, what's something you're thankful for, sir? 
Um, I'm thankful for it being almost fall. I'm thankful for that. Oh my god, man! Coats. Can't wait to wear coats. Oh, I do have. I started watching this show. Recommendation. I started watching this show. Ooh. On on Max on HBO Max. It's called Max now. I just been watching all kinds of shit. So I've been watching this show. Um, how to? I think his name is John Wilson. I think. I've seen this. This is on my list. I, I never started watching it, it and the first, I only got to the first episode, but it was I liked it because the first episode is how to small talk, and he like it's just this genuine like raw documentary yeah. where he films it and he's just he talks and he's he's stuttering and he like this he you know trying to finish sentences on the spot. It's like he's not. It didn't seem like it was much editing or was like much takes to it. Yeah, I, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. That that uh that it feels it, real. That feels real. That that raw and stuff. The way it's just like he's talking on the spot. He's talking on the spot. Yeah. He's like you know he's you know he's trying to figure out words or he's trying to like complete sentences in the, in the moment. It's not all. Yeah. everything's not all perfect. perfect. So I, it's not like yeah, chopping so, so that the the sentence is perfectly coming yeah, out. I, I love yeah. it, man. I, I like it so far. And he's just he brought up a point where he was saying that um I can't remember what it was, but it was how you say a sentence and then people take it. A different way, like he asked this guy. Uh, um, damn, I wanted to bring this up and I fucking forgot. He asked him about like climate change or something, and he, mm-hmm. and like the way you ask it, people would answer. Wasn't like, what you meant. Yeah, and people answer in a different way. It's just how the tone you said, and the context of where you're at on how you ask that question. Yeah, so I, I like it, man. I really like it. I didn't get to another episode, uh, but the first one was it was. Fun. Yeah, because that's a that's a question could, that could lead to if you go like. What do you think about climate yeah. change? People are like it's all bullshit, yeah. right? Fuck that. And but if you're like, what do you think about climate yeah. change? And people are like, oh my god, yeah. it's real. And you know, they, you know, like you could get you could you could engage with some two completely different yeah, types yeah. of people depending on how you yeah. say it. Damn, you know? I forgot what. And then uh, what's another one I was watching? I was watching. I, I watched the telemarketing one. You just been on. You just yeah, been mad, the, just maxed I watched out. The telemarketing. Huh? Uh, a thing about this people how people do these scams on how businesses do these scams or not. It's a scam. How business do these scams mm-hmm. where it's like. You go to, uh, for example, um, Panda Express, where they're like, do you want to donate to whatever? But uh, they, what they do is they'll pay an organization, we'll give you a million dollars, and we'll use your name. And they might collect. We'll use your name so we can get a donation. and we'll. But they might collect way over a million dollars. Yeah, so they'll get like, okay, well, we'll, we'll give you this check up front. Uh-huh. And we'll mm-hmm. get somebody give us a dollar, we'll give you 30 cents of that dollar, and we'll keep the rest. Got but we're it. using your name. To kind of get it to collect the money. Damn, that's how that works. Oh man, it's it's a telemark. I can't remember. It's called telemarketing something, but it was just a business that was scamming people. And the funny thing is, not to get too deep, they was collecting donations on part of uh, some type of uh, police force or whatever. And they'll send Mm -hmm. you this sticker when you donate. And I have a sticker on my back door when I bought this house. That's and it's the same fucking sticker. And I went, what the. Crazy! Oh somebody man, it was, it was wild, man. Somebody that got scammed. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, that's crazy!" But it's whoever lived it's, at your house before yeah, got got. Yeah, but it's got. a stick of like a police department shield where kind of like mm-hmm. people see it and kind of like the tears them off from not stealing, breaking your house or something like that. Oh uh, man, yes. they keep they it's keep crazy. they keep calling me them scammers, man. The, po- the police, the police yeah, one. Man. Listen, I'm not saying the police ones are scammer, but they every time I don't know if this is every telemarketer, but the telemarketers that call me from the police don- donation whatever. They always, I pick up the phone. It's always from a number that's not, it's not a 1-800 number, but it's from a county in the state that I don't, yeah, I never yep. been to. Like, I don't know anybody from here. I pick up the phone. It's like, hello? Hello? I'm like, hello? Hello, is this Alvin? <laughs> I'm like, yes. 
the police need your help and support for we would love to uh and it's a, now, now it's a robot yeah so i don't know how they do that i don't know if i like i guess they pick up the phone or they call i pick up it's a real person they make sure that i'm there and then they hit play on the on the video i don't know it, it, oh, that shit throws me off every time I'm like hello hello yeah. and um is this alvin yes this is alvin the police need you so much. Uh, a donation yeah. would change yeah. everything. Yep. So I'm like, who yep. is this? How'd you get my phone number? And if you donate today, everything will. And it's just, I'm like, oh, this is yeah. a robot. But that wasn't a robot at first. Yeah. It's crazy because like they show it and they show like the, the behind the scenes type shit. Like some guy just was like a good salesman. He just started recording. And they was in there. It's just like these young kids. And they was just in there playing football and shit. This fucking office. It's it's crazy. <laughs> uh, but I've been going off on shows. I watched this other show called uh, You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. Oh, oh yeah, the sketch oh, show. Hilarious. Yeah, he's hilarious. he's a nut. Man, I was dying. Every was yeah, crazy. every one of his sketches are like <laughs> they're like funny, but they're uncomfortable. I would love to see him do like a Jordan Peele type yeah, of movie. Man. So I just been because they're funny, but it's always like something. He's crazy. He's always like crazy, <laughs> and the scenarios are always it's hilarious. It's man. like never reality. It's always some weird type of he he's a, he's got a different type of brain. <laughs> it was funny though. But yeah. yeah, I just been watching some a lot of this random shit. It's been it's been funny though. Well, we're making recommendations before I get out of here. I highly recommend that people check out Painkiller on Netflix. It's a really good show. It's a short, um, it's a, what do they call it? Um, a limited series. I think it's about five, six episodes. It's about the opioid epidemic. And um, I don't want to mess her name up, but she played Crazy Eyes in Orange is the New Black. And I don't know her name right now. And I don't want to mess it up because she's an incredible actress. And the show basically dives into how... Uh, um, Sa- the Sackler family, whatever drug company they own, I can't remember what, uh, Purdue. They own the Purdue company, the Sackler family, and how they... The one like make chicken? No, oh. no. I, I, don't, well, I don't know if they oh. also own that, but they... We're talking about Big Pharma. Oh, okay, my bad. They own Purdue, the company. So that is the they name. Took that's, oxy- they, that's the people that make chicken. Oh, okay, yeah, Purdue chicken. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It might be spelled different, or it might be. Oh, they might own chicken and and pills. I don't know. They might. They might be a conglomerate. But they took oxycontin. They took they took oxycontin and marketed it as this miracle drug, knowing that it was highly addictive. And they basically caused the opioid epidemic to fatten their pack, fatten their pockets, and make a ton of money. And they killed a bunch of people. And eventually, there was like a a, a class action lawsuit against them. And yeah, I mean, they did a lot of damage. And the the show basically lays out the whole thing and how quickly it was. The the, the one they took uh, Tim Riggins, my boy Tim Riggins from Friday Night Lights, the mm-hmm. TV show. He he's in the sh- he's in the show, and he's a mechanic, right? And it was as simple as one day he was being a mechanic because I was helping somebody move this weekend. I couldn't stop thinking about this damn show. He was a mechanic, hardworking dude, a dad, you know, he was um, and his stepson was playing around on a um, uh, like an excavator machine that grabs dirt. Okay. They were using those to crush to crush cars. He, he owned a, a car a mechanic. He was a mechanic. And the kid was playing around, and he's telling him, get out of the car, man. I mean, get out of the excavator. You're messing around. And the kid played around with the joysticks, and he cranked it. And it pushed him off balance. He fell. And when he fell, his back hit like a muffler that mm. was on the ground. And he broke his back. So is, this, to get is, back. This, is this like, is this a show? Or is it's like, a show. Oh, okay. It's, it's, it's a, a show. It's like six. Okay. It's like, no, it's like a show. It's like a, a show, but it, it, it tells the story of how the opioid epidemic took place. Oh, okay. Got you. All right. So it's fast paced and it's crazy. But anyway, I just wanted to like about this specific instance. And this, this is like, there's many different, you know, sides of the story, but this is one of the perspectives okay. all the way. Th- so there's the, the high level of like the, the family that's making billions of dollars of selling the, 
you know, trying to get the drug passed by the FDA. Then they have like the salesman level of like them going into doctor's offices and being like, you need to sell Oxycontin to people because they need their pain relieved. And then they show you the bottom level, which is like the person who takes Oxycontin. And this guy, the way he was just a, a regular everyday dude, broke his back, had to get back surgery. And then his doctor's like, I know you've been taking Vicodin and stuff, but it's not strong enough. But there's this new drug called Oxycontin, mm. and it'll help you with pain way better. And this dude became a junkie. Like that quick, like you go get a surgery, the doctor gives you some pain medication. The pain, the pain medication works so good, it, but they don't tell you it's, in, it's, it's basically heroin and a pill. And now you're taking 12 Oxycontins a day, mm. but your doctor's telling you it's fine. Yeah. Until you try to, until you realize you're a hair, you you're addicted to this shit, and then you try to kick it, you can't. Yeah. And now your whole life's fucked up. Dude lost his family and everything. Yeah, they it's gave crazy. My, they gave my dad when my dad had surgery a while ago. They gave him that, and he was like, "I'm not taking, I'm not taking this shit." It's 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 heroin. Yeah. yeah you know, like if 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 it, if you get too dependent on it, it ruins the synapses in your brain, and that that produce dopamine. Your brain stops producing it. And now you need the drug to do it. So once your brain realizes that it's not getting that anymore, when you try to kick drug, that's that's what withdrawal is. Your brain has stopped doing something, and now it needs the drug to make it do something. Yeah. And you're not, and you're not giving it to it. And now you're like freaking out on your. Fa- it was it just was so sad, man. And it, the way it was like, we talk about it a lot, but the way it, the way it was such a a push a key on a laptop mm-hmm. from a when you get all the way to the top, it's just some family going like, why don't you take this guy out to lunch? And buy him a car, and that will he'll, that way he'll stamp this piece of paper that says Oxycontin is approved by the FDA, mm. and just that decision killed hundreds of thousands of people and ruined lives. While this family's making, but they're just like, yeah, we took him out to dinner, we got approved. Now we can start marketing. Bank. And they're up there making they're making billions of dollars, but and that decision trickled down. And by the time it trickled down, people are robbing pharmacies and killing people and addicted to drugs and losing their families. So Painkiller on Netflix, I so definitely when did this, I think. When did, when did it come on? Like, because like opioids is like fairly new, right? It's like a it hasn't been around. No, no, they've been around. They they've been around for. I mean, opioids has been around for. I mean, hundreds of oh, years. Okay. But like, but as I mean, far like when it's big, like big, big, big pharma. Yes, that's what uh, I mean. Um, oxy. Well, oxycotton is kind of the the name that people know. There was other right. versions of of painkillers that people would get addicted oxycotton, to slightly. I feel like oxycotton was had a bigger name. Oxycotton's like point, the one. One point before opioids, though. No, op- opioid. That's what's that's oxycotton is a opioid is what's in oxycotton. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought it was oh. So you talk okay. about like okay. opio okay. like heroin is an opioid. So like uh, opioids have been around. I thought opioids have been like around. A, was like a ibuprofen. No, no, okay. opioid is like the the plant. It's from the poppy. It's from a poppy. It's an ingredient that's inside the, of the. It's it's the ingredient. It's the, oh, okay. Opioid is the thing that makes you drugged right. up, right. and oxycotton has is an opioid. Yeah. Right. So I don't know drugs, uh, but that's, I. That's my, Oh, no. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> uh, so Oxycontin came around probably in like the mid late late nineties, okay. and but um, the way that the so the lady who plays Crazy Eyes in Orange is the New Black, the way she lays it out is like she took a crime map and took from like eighty one to eighty seven, and was like carjackings, uh, you know, homicides, this unemployment. Uh, uh, you know, welfare claims, unemployment claims, uh, you know, disability claims. And she laid it with the map of the crack epidemic. And she was saying, all of this stuff correlates and this is the spike that we were able to map out during the crack epidemic. And then she was like, this is the last four or five years since the Oxycontin has hit the street. And she was like, it's the same spike. Mm. The same things that were happening 
because crack was starting to take over in, in areas and cities in, uh, in the country, the crime rates, the unemployment, uh, the violence, everything. The same spike is happening right now. We're on the verge of an epidemic. So she was early on in seeing that Oxycontin was causing these problems and the fact that she could map it out to like the rise in crime. So um, it just it just lays it out in a really cool yeah. way. I like I like movies and shows like that. Like the big short was about the housing market crash in 2008. Mm-hmm. And they made it like fun and crazy and easy to understand because that's just that's just complicated. Sometimes yeah. we talk about stock markets and defaulting on loans and, you know, all that shit. Sometimes it's too hard to you're like, I don't it's boring. Yeah. They can give, yeah. But the yeah. but the big short made it like fun. And they was like they made it. They, they would cut to a casino and be like, you know, uh, uh, uh. A mortgage company will take 10 houses with people living in them that they don't think can pay their mortgage and then bundle them all into one thing and then sell that to another company. And now they, they're called like a, a risky. I can't remember all the I haven't seen the big short in a long time, but basically they, they dumbed it. They dumb it down and they dumbed down the opioid epidemic in painkiller in a really cool way where you really understand and they simplify it. And I'm sure it's more complicated and personal responsibility and all that type of stuff. I'm sure, you know, I get all that, but I'm just saying this family did something that caused a lot of pain and turmoil in this country. So painkiller, highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, until then, uh, I've been Alvin Williams joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. And we'll see you guys next week. Deuces.